of the Stampede Wrestling Show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into Heartbeat Radio. My name is Harry Broadhurst, filling in once again for Patrick Ketza. Bruce will be joining us here shortly, and if you don't mind, I'd like to take a quick second. We have a call coming in here. I'd like to check to see who's on the line, so we'll be right back with you here on Heartbeat Radio right after this. You are listening to Blog Talk Radio and Heartbeat Radio. So as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to go to break here. I'm going to actually bring in the man himself. Let's bring in Bruce. Mr. Hart, Hi, can you hear you? me, sir? Yeah. How are you? Nice to be here. How's everything? <laughs> nice. Things are going good. How about yourself? How was your week? Well, not bad. You know, I've uh, been uh, looking forward to... Uh, uh, talking to you, and uh, I'm told that our old buddy uh, Sir Bo is going to be coming on, and a few other guys. So it's always, uh, it's always kind of a thrill for me to talk to some of these guys and kind of share perspectives. Actually, I believe we have a call in the queue right now, so I'm going to step aside to the screening area real quick to check to see if this is indeed Sir Mo. So I'll be right back after this, Bruce. Okay. Okay. Are you still with me, Bruce? Yeah. Actually, we have an update on last week's show here real quick to start, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in New Age Old Time Wrestling's Dick Blake. Mr. Blake, can you hear me, sir? Yes, I can. How are you, Dick? Hey, welcome nice once again to Heartbeat you. Radio. Thank you. Hey, Bruce, I just want to take a couple time, couple minutes of your time to thank you very much for Bobby last night. He did an oh, incredible he, job. Uh, I'm happy to hear that. I, uh, I'm glad he uh, uh, did a decent job for you guys. And uh, he, I, I know oh. I heard from uh, other people that he spoke very highly of you guys in the show and oh. said he was delighted to uh, have a chance to work for you guys. So I'm happy he did to a hear much he, better uh, than job than anybody thought. Uh, Doug didn't even know that was his first match until we told him after. Well, I'm happy to hear that. You know, he, uh, I know he was uh, uh, anxious to uh, do a good job, but he was a little nervous. I know he told me before he went out there, he was, as you can expect, kind of a bit. Oh, absolutely. Kind of. But, yeah, he, uh, I was told by uh, Bob Johnson, the guy who originally brought him out here, Yes, he had spoken to Bobby, and he uh, he told me that you guys uh, were first class all the way and treated him uh, exceptionally well, and he was uh, delighted with uh, everything 
that you and your promotion were all about. Oh, I don't so I'm happy to hear that. Oh, I just wanted to let you know personally, um, we appreciate Bobby and how great a job you did training him. I don't want to take up much of your time because I know you have a lot of guests coming on. And you weren't expecting me, but oh, I personally well, wanted fine. to tell yeah. you that. I, uh, I'm grateful to you for coming on and, uh, yeah, give my uh, very best to Bobby and tell him I'm uh, pleased to hear that you guys were uh, happy with his performance. And uh, I'll have to get some of my other uh, people out there and get on some of the cards. I, I hope so. I know my uh, my sons are hoping to get down there sometime, and they're, uh, I think they got a lot of potential there, uh, very much like Brett and Owen at that age, you know, they might even be a little more uh, dynamic than that, but they're really, uh, you know, kind of uh, eager to get in the ring, so I'll see if I can arrange to send them down there sometime, they're pretty, uh, I think, got a lot of potential, and uh Hopefully we'll uh, do well, uh, keep the uh, heart generation uh, going for another generation, you know. So Just let us know, Bruce. Um, I'm going to let you go because I know you got the other guys. Like I said, I think you deserve to know how great you, your guy did last night, way yeah, beyond well, anybody's expectations. I'm happy to hear that, you know, and uh hope he... Uh, uh, continues to do well for you guys, and uh, I know he uh, he told me he's uh, really looking forward to working with some of your guys. I guess he said that they uh, made a great impression on uh, Doug Summers and Bobby Ocean. Oh, Doug Summers guys. would wrestle him anytime, anytime. And Doug is a veteran, and Doug just was blown away when he was told that was his first match. I'm happy to hear that. You know, uh, sometimes, <laughs> as you know, Dick, they uh, they get stage fright or they, uh, oh. you know, kind of get uh, panicking. Some, you know, goes amiss in the first match or something, and everything goes out the well, door. Well, Doug, so. Doug said he was a little stiff at first, and then Doug put him on a hold and told him that this is how it's done. And after that, the match just flowed because. You know, it's his first match. His, he, he fit in well. You could tell at first. Uh, but he fit in very well. You should be very, very pleased with him and yourself for the training you've done. I appreciate that. I uh, I look forward to uh, hearing how he does in some of your other shows. I, uh, uh, I, I think he'll from... do equally well. Yeah, and I, I, as I've said on previous broadcasts, uh, it's a huge uh, tip of my hat to people like you guys for uh, doing shows out there. That's kind of the uh, the lifeblood of the business, you know, and the grassroots is uh, needing more guys like you guys that uh, actually have some old old school roots and, uh, and are endeavoring to kind of, uh, you know, perpetuate that whole uh, kind of... Uh, old school uh, mindset, you know, it's kind of, you know, uh, on the verge of extinction. Well, we even had Sheldon Goldberg last night. He showed up. Well, 
I'm happy he comes once in a while. He's a great guy, yeah. and it means a lot to me when he comes. Well, Bruce, I'm going to get off the phone so you can have your, your other guests. I just, like I said, I just want to let you know how great a job he did and how great a job you are as a trainer. Oh, I appreciate that, Dick. And, um, in the future. Yeah, I, uh, I'll keep in touch and uh, give yes, uh, Bobby my best home. I'm uh, happy that he did a good job for you guys and, uh, you know, more power to all of you guys. So. Thank you, sir. And good night, Bruce. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. New Age Old Time Wrestling's owner and promoter Dick Blake joining us once again here on Heartbeat Radio. As previously mentioned, I am Harry Brockers filling in for Patrick Ketza tonight. He will return next week here on Heartbeat Radio. And, of course, the man across the phone line from me and, well, Probably a good distance away since I'm in Ohio and he's up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I've always wanted to yeah. do that. I just it makes me feel like Lance Storm every time I say it like that. <laughs> so you're in Ohio, Harry? Yes, I am in Ohio, Youngstown specifically, which is about an hour outside of Cleveland. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I'm. I'm not sure where uh, Sir Mo or Bobby uh, Horn, uh, Sir Mo, I was told he'd be coming on in the f- first segment, but I-, I believe he's probably coming out of Carolina or some such thing, from what I understand. So, but yeah. Well, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can find some stuff to fill the time there. I mean, you were actually around the WWF right as Men on a Mission were starting to make their debut, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Because uh, I had a good opportunity it, to uh, hook up with a lot of those guys in the uh, in the mid '90s there, and including uh, my old buddy, Ohio fellow Ohio native uh, Pillman, and uh, I think old uh, Johnny Polo or Scott Levy was around at that time. And uh, I think Pillman's uh, if I'm not mistaken, he would have. If I'm not mistaken, Polo would have been managing the Quebecers around that time frame. Yeah, yeah, something uh, like that. And, uh, and he was kind of a big wanted, uh, aficionado of Pillman, you know, kind of uh, uh, endeavored to copy a lot of Pillman stuff. And then, of course, Steve Williams, better known to most of the fans as Steve Austin. Uh, he was kind of one of Pillman's kind of protégés or... Uh, Dear friends, you know, they had done the Hollywood Blondes thing down in uh, WCW before they uh, got into the WWE. And uh, Steve, of course, went on to become a huge thing down there. And Pillman was on on his way as well, but he unfortunately uh, died of, uh, I'm not sure what, you know, the drug overdose or... I'm not sure what exactly was, but uh, but yeah, that, that was, uh, was an interesting uh, period uh, back then in the uh, mid '90s. I think Brett and Owen were just kind of getting their. Uh, Brett was, I think, pretty established then, but Owen was just kind of uh, starting to uh, take it to the next level. You know, unfortunately, he had the accident too. But uh, that, that was a that was a good uh, period for a lot of the. Uh, 
guys that had come out of Calgary, including uh, Benoit and Owen and Davey Boy and uh, and a few of those other guys, you know, so they they seem to be, uh, you know, in the in the mainstream in the WWE at that time and getting quite a bit of uh, you know kind of renown. That was, I guess, the heyday of the uh, the Hart Foundation, and then that. Uh, they ended up having that kind of celebrated uh, feud with the Hearts and the uh, Steve Austin and the uh, sort of the Canada against the United States thing, which was kind of funny because there was no real uh, animosity. You know, it wasn't like uh, United States or anything like that. But uh, still got a pretty good, uh, got a pretty good mileage out of it, though. Well, the big thing, too, um, if I recall correctly, the story that I've heard about Pillman is heart failure. I've yeah, never I, heard anything one way or another. Yeah, I've never heard anything one way or another yeah. as far as, like, I've never heard anything one way or another as far as an official, like, drugs being involved in the cause of death. But if I recall correctly, what I heard about Pillman was heart failure. And to touch on the thing that you brought up there with regards to uh, Pillman and Austin, one of the things that I remember is thinking that uh, Pillman was just starting to do the loose cannon thing when he came into the WWF because he managed to work the loose cannon thing into getting himself released from his WCW contract. But he had that ankle injury coming into the WWF, and I think that if Pillman doesn't have that ankle injury coming into the WWF, Pillman's every bit the star that Austin became. Oh, absolutely. And uh, as you probably know, the uh, the ankle injury was... Uh, Caused when he rolled his Hummer, you know, and uh, he actually uh, his ankle injury was so severe it was they wanted to amputate his foot, sort of like with what they did with Kerry Von Erich, and, uh, right, the and that that kind of led to uh, him getting uh, he was on so many painkillers from the ankle injury, and uh, kind of impeded his. Uh, you know, he had been a really good flyer before that, and then he was never the same. I think the, uh, the you know the painkillers that he got taking after the accident were uh, a big part of what killed him. As you know, uh, you know the uh, I I've always heard that so-called uh, heart blah 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 or whatever. But I know that uh, when Brian last year or so that he was alive, you know, he was uh, calling me uh, quite often and. Uh, and he told me that he was having a real, really uh, tough battle with uh, Oxycontin and the Percocets and all that stuff, you know, and that yeah, it was, uh, I heard the same from Owen and a few of those guys that uh, they were pretty worried about Brian and his, uh, you know, the, you know, addiction to the painkillers. I think that was all, you know, kind of interrelated, but... You know, I think you've probably been uh, around quite a few of these uh, guys who passed away prematurely, and more often than not, I've heard this kind of uh, blanket rhetoric about the heart attack or heart failure or uh, that type of thing. And I think within the industry, there's sort of a, you know, a maybe... Uh, awareness that there was in many cases some accompanying uh drug issues you know but which is 
you know, uh, well, I guess part of, part of the problem that the business is, you know, uh, it seems to be less pervasive now than it was during that, uh, that there was a, a decade there in the late 90s and, you know, the early part of uh, the 2000s where there seemed to be a, almost an epidemic of uh, guys dying <laughs> long before their time, you know, you it was always kind of speculative in a lot of cases, the Hawk and the Rick Roods and the uh, Herculeses and the uh, Kurt Hennigs and Ed Pillman and a bunch of those guys, you know. And uh, So, you know, it's uh, it was kind of a sad time, you know. I, I, I would hope, you know, I'm confident that it's not as prevalent a problem as it was back then, you know, because it was a pretty, uh, almost uh, almost at an epidemic level for a while there with uh, so many, uh, you know, people almost got to the point where they uh, almost took it for granted, you know, you'd hear of these guys, Guerrero, and you'd hear of, uh, you know, a lot of the lesser light types, like, uh, you know, uh, some of the guys that uh, kind of uh, Rick McGraws and that uh, Test and quite a few of those guys, you know, it's you know, uh, but but hopefully that's uh, less of a problem as than it uh, was back then, you know. And I don't want to digress into a, a moratorium on the uh, the drug <laughs> the drug problems that uh, you know. I think well, I think they've. It certainly. Uh, definitely. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought first. Yeah, yeah. It's it certainly. Uh, I think WWE. I, I'd like to think that they've uh, in, implemented some better uh, testing and all of that. You know, you know, or, you know. It seems like it, you know it's less of an issue than it seemed to be back then. You know, but. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that we've definitely gotten better with, especially in modern times in regards to the world of professional wrestling, is is that you're not really seeing the major focus on those bodybuilder-type physiques that you used to have in, like, the late 80s and into the early 90s in companies like the WWF. When you had guys like like a Hercules, guys like a, a, Hercules. Uh, like a, bar- a barbarian, a warlord. Guys oh, yeah, the barbarian and the, uh, and the ultimate warrior and hawk and animal and... Uh... You know, uh, Big John Studd and uh, a bunch of those others, uh, you know, quite a few of them almost kind of warlord and others have almost, you know, you know, you think about it. But, uh, but yeah, that was a pretty uh, anabolically uh, enhanced period, you know. And uh, I think there's, you-, you know, I, I think there's a few guys in, you know, I, unless I'm, you know... <laughs> mistaken or my perceptions are wrong you know i think there's a few guys in there right now who look like they might have some enhancement but uh i uh i just hope you know i i that's been one of the things that's you know for me been uh most kind of gratifying to see the uh 
you know, guys like Daniel Bryan and uh, CM Punk and uh, Alberto Del Rio, Cody Rhodes, guys like that. You know, uh, most of those guys back in the uh, 80s and 90s, I venture to say, would have probably been deemed too small or they didn't have the look, you know, and uh, I don't think they would have attained that level of stardom that they have today, but I'm pleased that uh, that just physique and uh, that look is not as uh, pronounced an issue. You know, they still have a few Rybacks and a few Piggies uh, and guys like that that, you know, I, I would hope that they're natural, not, you know, doing anything that's... Well, but, you know, there's not I, as I, many of that. I can't speak for Skip Sheffield, Ryback, however you want to call him. I know him as Skip Sheffield when he originally broke in with the Nexus. But as far as Big E Langston goes, I know that Big E's a former world power lifter, so I would imagine that a lot of his look and a lot of his strength is actually natural and uh, just through uh, years and years of training inside of the gym and everything. Because everything I've heard about Langston says that he's an animal inside of the gym and that he's like the only guy on the roster who can outlet Cena. I know we had uh, a bunch of the, uh, you know, that you've probably heard of some of them, RCD and Kazmaier and uh, a bunch of those guys up here in the, uh, back in the 80s and 90s. And um, they were like the world powerlifting champions and all like that. And uh, I have uh, every reason to believe they were all <laughs> taking whatever they could get, you know, as far as, you know, uh, any type of enhancement, you know, so that, that seems to be almost pretty pervasive. And uh, I'm sure you've, if you've been around the bodybuilding and the weightlifting and the Olympic, uh, any of those power sports like shot putting and all like that, but I think those were all sort of uh, widely uh, perceived to be uh, performance enhancing, you know, that type of thing. But, uh, I I hope if any of those guys are doing it, they're you know doing it you know sensibly, or they're uh, smart Subscribe. enough to get off it, or uh, be moderate in their consumption. You know, it's uh, it's not worth the uh, I know if you pay a pretty heavy price for abusing that type of stuff, you know. So, uh, I, But I, I think the main thing is WWE is not seemingly putting as much emphasis on physiques as they did back in the uh, Hulkamania days when they had guys like Warrior and Legion of Doom and the Warlord and Barbarian and all those, Tony Atlas, all those guys, you know. It seemed like it was uh, almost an un- unwritten you know, uh, prerequisite Brutus back in those days to get into the, you know, uh, to even get booked in there. And I, I know guys like Dynamite and Davey who uh, who were phenomenal wrestlers when they started. They were, unfortunately, uh, in their own minds, they thought they were too small. So they, uh, they got on all kinds of the anabolics, as did Chris Benoit and I, I think Pillman and... Uh, quite a few of those other guys, you know, and uh, as most of the people out there know, they all paid 
the ultimate price for going down that road, you know. It was uh, within the business, I think it was kind of pretty widespread uh, kind of, uh, you know, awareness of the anabolic uh, abuse, you know, just like the NFL, you know, every now and then. It's almost more laughable. They have one or two guys supposedly uh, fail some kind of a anabolic test and they get a four-game suspension or some such thing. But uh, I would venture to say there's a hell of a lot more guys in the NFL that are on the gas, as they used to call it, now than uh, there ever was back in the, uh, say, the, the 60s and 70s, you know. And, you know, I, I think there's kind of probably a lot of... Uh, rationalizing or people looking the other way or, uh, you know, pretending that it's not the case. But uh, all I know is, you know, diet and weightlifting and all that hasn't changed that much in the last 60, 70 years. You know, it's still pretty much the same. But, you know, uh, the guys seem to be uh, a hell of a lot bigger and more, you know, kind of... uh, you know, uh, enhanced looking than they ever did back in the 60s and 70s. You know, that's about all I could say about that. But but anyway, uh, <laughs> I guess that's our perception, that's our take on the, uh, on the uh, anabolic scene or whatever the hell, you know. So, but I'm sure we can go on to some other more wrestling-related uh, dialogue here, but... Well, the real quick, real quick thing I was going to touch on in regards to your statement about how you only have certain, you only get a certain amount of players popping for things in sports like football or like Major League Baseball, where the penalties are a little bit stiffer towards Major League Baseball, where it's like one, well, I guess technically it's about one fourth of the season either way there. But one of the things that I wanted to touch on there is I think there's a lot better ways of masking it nowadays too. Like there's oh, yeah, a lot more ways I, I, to get around the drug testing and stuff than there were back in, be, say, the 60s and 70s. Yeah, that seems to be part of the whole syndrome with all of that, you know. And uh, I think uh, I, I would have to believe that Major League Baseball probably knew very well that uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and Ken Seiko and... Uh, uh, Barry Bonds and those guys were, uh, you know, taking <laughs> the good stuff, as they say, you know, I'd venture to say they all knew quite well, because I know it's like that in the wrestling business, you know, it's no secret when these guys are juiced to the max, and, you know, most people know who the doctor is that is getting them the stuff and all, all of that, you know, it's not, you know... And then uh, when the uh, proverbial, uh, excuse the expression, shit hits the fan, then, you know, it's like that when that Canadian sprinter, Ben Johnson, got busted or, you know, uh, same kind of thing down there with the baseball. I think everybody uh, in baseball, the Bud Seelings and all those guys probably knew, you know, had a pretty good idea that there was something going on. You know, all of a sudden these guys are all hitting 70 home runs and, uh you know, kind of 
breaking records that seemed like they were unassailable, and then then all of a sudden when the uh, you know the uh, you know kind of started coming out with Barry Bonds and the uh, the doctors and all that stuff, then they kind of uh, you know stood back and kind of pretended like they didn't know and all like that, you know. I think it's the same in the NFL. You know, you see a lot of these. Uh, you know, and uh, I think they uh, the same kind of thing with the concussions and some of that. You know, they're hoping that'll go away. You know, and I think they're probably hoping right now they don't have any more. You know, steroid-related deaths or concussed-related junior junior sale type things. You know, and then, but. Yeah, it seems like there's that type of, uh, it's almost like kind of in the background and they're hoping that it doesn't, you know, I'd venture to say there's probably a lot of wrestlers out there that are in probably compromised health, you know, probably uh, really bad health that maybe were drug uh, druggies or roid abusers back in the... Uh, 80s, 90s, or whatever, you know, and, uh, and I know I know a lot of the football players, I kind of came to know quite a few of them just through uh, Pillman and Neidhart, who both played in the NFL, and it was pretty remarkable, some of the stories you'd hear, you know, about the, uh, the drug and uh, steroid, uh, you know, kind of abuse, and I think there was probably less awareness back then, you know, too, there you know, uh, I think everybody knew that steroids and a lot of those things were not good for you, but it seemed like they were uh, almost condoning them or uh, encouraging them. You know, if you know if the players were bigger and faster and stronger, I guess they, you know, management figured they'd get more mileage out of them. So they, I think, certainly didn't discourage it. Maybe even encouraged it. You know, but. But um, I I don't know. I, I suspect it's uh, not gone away. It's probably like you said. There's a lot, maybe uh, more sophisticated ways to uh, to mask it or you know kind of hide it or whatever the heck you know. The, I I know the wrestlers and these football players or whoever they they're not babies either. They should be. Uh, you know, they deserve some of the uh, blame or, you know, they're grown men. They know what they're injecting into their bodies or what they're swallowing or whatever, you know. So, But I, I, there are probably, I'm sure, some new, uh, you know, things out there that they're all trying to get. Uh, you know, one I've been hearing about is growth hormone, which seems to be kind of the, you know, the... Uh, upper level of steroids or whatever it's kind of like the uh, the next big uh-huh. thing in the anabolic abuse type thing you know but uh i'm sure there's H- a few of our hgh super yeah oh any uh and i know the the way the wrestlers a lot of them are they're uh probably football players or whatever but they're all looking for that edge or that you know thing that uh you know kind of separates them from the pack type thing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, legit or whatever. And 
quite often there's always a lot of rationalizing to it that you know they're always uh either pretending that it's not as harmful as it really is or that uh you know they're going to get off as they're only going to take it to guess to get to the next plateau or whatever you know but uh most cases you know they um all too often uh you know go the way of like the guys like Lyle Alzado and guys like that who uh paid the ultimate price for it, you know. And I'm sure our, uh, you know, some of the guys we've mentioned, I, I knew some of them quite well, uh, Davy Boys and uh, Pillmans and Benoit's and some of them, you know, it was all, uh, it, if not the cause, it was certainly a factor in uh, in their untimely demises, you know. And, you know, and I suspect nobody wants you know, some of the people in WWE or whoever would prefer to uh, not even uh, go down that road. You know, it's almost a can of worms that they probably don't want to open up, you know, or, and hope that it's kept closed or whatever. But Well, and I, I think a lot of things, too, in regards to the, uh, the actual use and performance thereof in the WWE currently is I think the wellness policy has kind of helped maybe, if not necessarily snuff out the problems completely, but it's definitely brought it more into the forefront of the public's view. And you go back to the Sports Illustrated article that came out a while back, which threw a bunch of the guys that were under contract with the WWE at the time, guys like a Chris Benoit, guys like a Ken Kennedy or a Ken Anderson, and known in TNA is now, as people that were purchasing from Signature Pharmacy. So do you think maybe there's more of a there's more of a taboo on it nowadays in regards to pro wrestling and that people know that their names can come out for these things so they're a little less likely to try to put their names out there? I think perhaps I think the biggest uh ultimate uh, factor in the whole thing is the uh mindset of the uh of the WWE. You know, if they're not pushing or emphasizing or, uh, you know, uh, giving guys belts and making them stars because they're looking like Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior or whatever, then then there's far less reason to take it, you know. But if if at any time you, uh, you know, correlate, you know, your just your physique or your appearance with uh, getting the big push or becoming, uh, you know, fast-tracking your ascent to stardom, then, uh, you know, it goes without saying that, you know, these guys are going to do that, you know. And uh, so I think there's still a bit of that, you know. uh, You know, you know uh, anyone who's... uh, Observing WWE these days, there's still a fair number of guys who are, uh, you know, pretty monstrous-looking, big, you know, uh, look like they're, you know, physique, uh, you know, pumping iron or whatever, you know. But it doesn't seem to be, as, you know, as prevalent, though. You know, it's like I was saying, you know, I, I think it's you know, a huge step in the right direction, or it's a good message for the other wrestlers to uh, see a guy like Daniel Bryan or or CM Punk or 
you know, some of those guys, you know, that are, you know, relatively small and are not being pushed because of their physique or whatever, you know, uh, I think that's a good message, you know, and to other wrestlers and maybe uh, I think it's good that the fans seem to have no trouble uh, supporting a guy like Daniel Bryan. You know, it's a, it's a shame that he's injured and I'm told he might not be back anytime soon. You know, I'm, I'm told he might be finished. I don't know, but uh, but uh, I, I think that's the story a, that I'm a, the yeah. story that I'm hearing in regards to Brian is that uh, the the current situation with him is not his neck; it's actually his elbow, and that there's talk of them trying to conduct a second surgery to help repair the elbow in order to help him get feeling back in his arm. But he's looking at. From what I'm hearing, Royal Rumble next year at the absolute earliest for our return. Well, that's I'm, that, that's better than what I had heard. You know, I, I had heard that his, you know, uh, neck was, uh, you know, irre- irreparable damage or something like that. You know, there was, you know, very unlikely he'd ever come back. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I I, I think. Uh, you know, he his business needs more guys like him. You know, guys that are uh, you know just ordinary people, so to speak. But they, you know, they've uh, gone out and paid their dues, and they uh, have garnered the respect of the fans and the uh, their fellow wrestlers and all like that. And, and I'm hoping, you know, I, I haven't been reading the dirt sheets or you know, keeping up on all the gossip and scuttlebutt, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, CM Punk sees fit to come back or they see fit to bring him back. Or I think, uh, you know, guys like that are actually, uh, you know, what the business needs more of right now, you know, uh, as opposed to bringing in some of these one-dimensional uh Stiffs or muscle heads or you know gimmick performers. I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm getting a little tired of some of the nonsense with even like the the Wyatt family. I actually like Rowan and Harper more than the uh, the other. But uh, but yeah, there's to me a lot a bit too much. Uh, you know, not too not enough guys that actually can go out and just wrestle. And the consequences, they seem to have more emphasis on gimmicks and stretching things, you know. And uh, I think ultimately uh, you need to, uh, business goes in cycles, you know. You know, uh, Vince McMahon certainly wasn't the first person to overdo the gimmicks and the uh, non-wrestling stuff, you know, it was a big problem back in the 40s and 50s and 60s from what my dad told me you know and they uh seems to go in cycles but i'm I'm hoping that they uh you know kind of uh you know put more emphasis on guys like daniel and cm punk and randy orton and uh a few of those guys the biggest problem right now of course is there's not enough guys coming up that are, uh, you know, have decent uh, wrestling backgrounds to kind of uh, step up and uh, 
fill the shoes of Daniel Bryan and guys like that. But I'm hoping Vinny and them, even in NXT or whatever, they start putting more emphasis on wrestling instead of, for what I term bullshit, like Adam Rose and uh, some of the other uh, idiot stuff. You know, I've had I've had my fill of the Funkasaurus and the. well, Rose Clay Albert. has actually been released. Uh, yes, he should have been. He actually should never have been hired, I don't think. Maybe the great Kelly, but... Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, uh, if, if any of our friends in Connecticut are listening or whatever, they actually need to be developing more wrestlers and less, you know, uh, you know, kind of gimmicks and bullshit like it's all well and good if Adam Rose or some of those guys can actually uh go out and wrestle like uh you know a Brett or uh you know uh Randy Orton or whatever but invariably most of those guys seem like they have little or no wrestling ability which is why they have to uh you know in, engage in all these kind of contrived gimmicks, you know, and I, uh, I'd like to see a lot less of that crap, you know, it's for me becoming, uh, tired, maybe I'm, my background's different, you know, from Stampede or whatever, but, you know, a little little of that silly stuff goes a long way, you know, back in the day, you'd bring the midgets in once a year, and they'd have a little comic relief, or you'd maybe have the odd time where you'd have some uh, guy who looked like he wasn't really a, a great wrestler, but uh, you know had a little bit of kind of uh, it was kind of a novelty act or something. But uh, I think my estimation is way too much of that in WWE even now. You know, with the Matadors and the El Burrito, or whatever his name is, and Great Kelly, uh, and uh, yeah, a bunch of these other. Uh, you know, I just as soon see less of that and more more actual wrestling. But the problem is, there's not enough guys that actually, in my estimation, are capable of having a match. And I'd rather see something like back in the day in Stampede, you used to see uh, guys like Brett and Dynamite and Benoit and Pillman. It's fairly common to see guys going like 45, 50, 60 minute matches and. Uh, having the crowd on the edge of their seat. and I'd rather see, say, four or five matches on a card and some longer matches and some more sustained action and all of that than, uh, you know, 10 or 12 matches and uh, the midgets and the divas and the uh, verbal diarrhea on the microphone between the matches and all like that. You know, I'd rather to see some more wrestling, but uh, it's not, uh, that's a big problem the business seems to be faced with right now. There's not enough guys actually that are capable of having a good match or sustaining, you know, uh, kind of uh, a 20, 25-minute uh, chain wrestling type match that builds up to a, a pronounced climax and all like that. There, there's uh you know, a really crying need for that, and that's that's even part of our subliminal 
initiative with this wrestling show is maybe just to uh, just kind of uh, keep people aware of you know the old school mindset and uh, that uh, you know, that the business kind of needs to uh, revisit its grassroots and you know uh, you, you can't take guys uh, in WWE you can't take a, a, a guy like Gray Kelly or Ryback or uh, Biggie or Ezekiel or whatever and just turn them into a wrestler when they have never done any training or they haven't uh you know kind of uh really uh learned how to work you know in the uh, in in any other sport you know uh nobody gets to the NFL without having really mastered their craft in college and uh the minor leagues and all these other you know but uh in wrestling this that's one of the uh has long been one of the problems with WWE is guys get down there and they uh, they really haven't learned how to work. You know, they they get a push because they have a look or they're uh, you know a friend of somebody or something like that. Then they get in there and uh, it's not really even fair to them. They get a big push and then uh, after the veneer wears thin, you know, then all of a sudden they. Uh, get kind of sent packing, you know, kind of like the uh, Ezekiel Jackson syndrome or the, uh, the Great Kelly or the Funkasaurus syndrome, you know, they, they they were never really worthy of the stardom and then, but, you know, they, they kind of get a little bit of a push and then when it starts wearing thin it becomes more than apparent that they're not very good workers, they seem to just uh, cut them adrift, you know, and, be better if if WWE even sent them back to the minors, like in baseball, or whatever. You send a guy who maybe needs to refine his game a bit. You send him back to AAA or whatever. But wrestling, it's kind of they don't have any place to develop them in the first place, and they give them a push that they probably aren't worthy of getting, and then they uh, cut them adrift. So it's not even fair to them either, you know. But uh, that's that's part of the problem with uh, with the whole system these days, you know. And uh, it seems to be a big reason why they have to keep bringing back people like Brock Lesnar and Chris Jericho and The Miz. And it's almost amusing to me when I see these uh, guys that have only been away for a month or two or something, and they make out like you know some huge big thing the Miz is coming back or you know uh Batista is well, coming it, back or Jericho you know coming back from one of these you know straight to video uh movies that they made or something and they uh make out like they're but what it tells me is there's not much talent you know up and uh coming well, you know I don't a couple of things to touch on there. The first of which being is I actually did want to get your opinions on one of those guys that you just mentioned saying is you have some of the credit for training him under your belt, and that would be Chris Jericho. But two of the things that I want to touch on before that is I think that in NXT now there are enough guys that they're building, they're getting enough guys with an international reputation down in NXT now. When you look at a guy like a Sami Zayn, who used to wrestle all around the world as El Generico, or an Adrian Neville, who used to wrestle all around the world as Pac, and these are two guys that are 
the sizes of a CM Punk and a Daniel Bryan, but they have the crowds at NXT and the crowds at the live events that they've gone to with the WWE on in the palm of their hands. Or do you think maybe that with guys like Adrian Neville, like Sami Zayn, that perhaps the future of the smaller guy in the WWE is looking bright with two guys of that, that caliber sitting in NXT waiting for their call-ups? I'd like to see the positive in that at the same time, you know, I uh, I think the uh, the vehicle itself needs to be fixed a bit. You know, uh, that's always been one of the problems is the uh, the poor bastards in NXT or whatever. I don't think they they don't know whether they're supposed to uh, emphasize or concentrate on wrestling or whether they're supposed to. Uh, you know, concentrate on some outlandish gimmick, you know, like idiot that Adam Rose bullshit or uh you know, I I see too much of that, even even like Cody Rhodes for me, that whole thing's just a bunch of nonsense with him now being stardust and you know, uh anything that you inflict on the fans you should have a prevailing sense of purpose or a, a rationale for it, you know. All too often I see all these half-assed, ass-backward uh, concepts that have little or no relevance that don't grab the fans, and yet I see, like, for example, the Funkasaurus or the Hornswoggle nonsense or the uh, the Great Cali or I'm not sure what Adam Rose has got to, you know, you much of people that look like they're kind of out of the Rocky Horror Show or some damn thing uh, coming out to the ring and, you know, dancing or whatever, you know. For me, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's not like there's some natural correlation between that and uh, whoever he's wrestling or, you know, it's it's just kind of pulling crap out of a hat and inflicting it, you know, and same with the Funkadactyls and the... Uh, some of the other, even the bullshit with, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the, the another poor bastard that, uh, I'm trying to remember, with, he can't used to come out with the, uh, the girl, uh, uh, Fandango? Yeah, Fandango, you know, like, uh, they start these things that seem to have nothing to do with anything and they're, I'm not sure if somebody figures they're pulling a rib on somebody or whatever. And then, and before, you know, another one is Damien Santo, all this nonsense where he comes out and, uh, you know, is playing a space, an astronaut or, uh, you know, George Washington or Abe Lincoln. <laughs> like, you know, to me it's just silliness, you know, and uh, beyond not really getting over it. To me, it doesn't sell tickets or anything. At the same time, it detracts. Like if you're seeking to uh, elicit a serious response from the audience, maybe with what you're doing with Brock Lesnar and John Cena or Randy Orton and uh, whoever, whatever, you know, to me, it compromises your efforts in a serious level if you have... Uh, you know, El Burrito and, you know, Stephanie and Vicky Guerrero having a mud wrestling thing. And, you know, it's always been a little bit of 
comic relief in the wrestling business, you know, the uh, the midgets or that type of thing. But uh, a little goes a long way. You don't need a, you know, a pronounced dosage of that crap on every card, you know. And, uh, you know, as in my estimation, and I, I booked up here for 20 or more years, so I, I had to kind of develop a feel for the people's appetite for bullshit, you know, and every now and then you could have a little bit of a quasi-comic relief or a bit of kind of, uh, you know, something that was designed to, you know, elicit a bit of kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, kind of frivolity or whatever the hell. But uh, the other part of the comedy crap is uh, no point should ever look intentional, you know, uh, even Curly Larry and Moe or whatever the secret of all that crap is it always looks like it's unintentional, which makes it funny, but when it looks like you're going out of your way to uh, make people laugh or ridicule your own sport, which is what my estimation they're doing with El Burrito and Hornswoggle and, you know, the uh, Heath Slaters and the Gender Mahals and all that other crap, you know, uh, to me, it just detracts, you know, it's like, how do you take the other stuff seriously if, if you know, you got that type of uh, horseshit on a regular basis, you know, it's just sort of uh, counterproductive in my estimation. And But I don't know what the, uh, you know, I have no idea what the mindset or who's orchestrating too much of that. I, not, I, not would, have to, I would have I would have to assume that the uh, the focus for your El Toritos and your Hornswoggles has got to be towards the kids and the appeal of that. And the thing is, is actually Torito's a really good worker. He used to wrestle as oh, Mascar- yeah. Mascarita Dorada. Oh, yeah, that's the frustrating part for me. It was the same back in the day when they had those... Uh, they had some pretty good Japanese workers back a few years back and uh, I'm trying to remember their names, but uh, they're actually damn good workers, and they they had them playing kind of silly comic roles. You know, they weren't even, uh, you know, uh, capitalizing on it, any of their ability. And I've even seen that now. I, I think Alberto Del Rio is a lot better worker than uh, he's descended now into kind of more of a, you know, kind of a buffoon my estimation I saw the same with Chavo Jr. you know he was actually a pretty damn good worker you know by all accounts you know and by the end he was sort of more of a just kind of a comic relief thing and Damien Santos like that I thought he was pretty decent you know he seemed like he wasn't a bad heel now you know I'm almost like whenever I see him I'm wondering who he pissed off you know, you know uh, the same nonsense when they did that bullshit with Chuck and Billy and the gay wedding and the, all that a uh, few years back. You know, I, I heard it was just done out of spite to kind of, uh, you know, humiliate or, you know, kind of ridicule them, you know. And I don't know that they... But, but you, you know, you, you can't be uh, doing that to yourself, you know, you know, all those type of things tend to compromise the business if you're, uh, and you should always be 
first and foremost respectful of the business and the image that you're you know projecting to the uh the fans and if you're not then uh you know there's something wrong with the whole thing you know you know you i don't think you'd find the nfl or and major league baseball or whatever you know uh even if they have these, you know, they got the San Diego chicken or they got some of these uh, kind of fringe, you know, kind of supporting cast types. But at no point to, to those things where they shouldn't be compromising the pennant race or the outcome of the, the big game or anything like that, you know, I don't think, you know. But but that seems to be part of the problem with the wrestling or the uh, some of the fringe silly stuff seems to uh you know become uh you know such that it detracts you know in a, quite often in a big way from the uh you know the perception of the major stuff you know and you have to be a lot more judicious in uh what you put on your cards you know and I, but that's just my opinion you know and i i uh I know if I had done a lot of the idiot stuff when I was booking up here, my dad was sort of a, like Vince Senior, pretty much of a conventionalist. I probably would have got my ass fired, you know, or I'd have been hauled up on the carpet and demanding to know what uh, what the hell I was thinking with some of that, uh, you know, kind of odd, idiotic stuff, you know. But. Um. We're going to have to change gears here a little bit on Heartbeat Radio because we actually have a guest on with us now, Mr. Hart. Oh, great. Hopefully, uh, is it Bobby Horn or uh, Sir Mo? Uh, it is not Bobby Horn. Uh, our guest at the present moment now is actually writer, photographer, Thomas Rudy. Mr. Rudy, can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Hi, Tom. How are you? Nice, nice pretty, to uh, hear from you. Good? Yeah, I was told you might be coming on, so it's... Uh, it's, uh, uh, nice. Yeah, hopefully uh, you haven't been waiting too long. I, oh, no, but yeah. no. I, I just called a few seconds ago, and boop, here I am. That's cool. Uh, what's new and exciting? Well, uh, myself, uh, Sabu and Sabu's uh, manservant, uh, Yusuf Diaz, are all in Charlotte for the final Mid-Atlantic Fan Fest, allegedly. Oh yeah, where's that? And uh, you got any uh, notable uh, guests or any? Did that already happen, or is that uh, upcoming? Yeah, tonight was the final night. Um, it started Thursday. A uh, lot of guests here. Dusty was here. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, of course. Oh, hopefully uh, he got a nice reception. Oh, he did. He did. And uh, Ole Anderson is back. Uh, still talking about the money he would have made with WCW. <laughs> and I did, did legitimately walk into that conversation. So I kid you not, he actually talks about it. <laughs> well, that's good. I most people don't know that he sort of uh, initially started up in Calgary way the hell back in the uh, '60s, old Oli, under the name of Rock Rogowski. I think he was uh, one of those. There was a bunch of those guys that were training with Vern down in the uh, Minneapolis, and Vern used to send them up, and uh, he was one of them. Uh, Rock Rogowski, I remember the name. 
Actually, if I could chime in real quick here, uh, Ric Flair came through Vern Gagne as well, if I recall correctly, reading Ric Flair's book. Oh, in Ric very Flair's much so, yeah. I remember uh, Vern was trying to send uh, Paul Persman, who became Buddy Rose, and then Cosro, who became uh, Iron Sheik. Those guys all worked up in Calgary, and uh, he was actually trying to send Ric Flair and... Uh, and I remember he did send Rogowski up here, and, uh, and oddly enough, Rogowski hooked up with this other guy who had broken in Calgary named Gene Anderson. And he ended up, uh, of course, becoming an Anderson then, Ole Anderson then. And then there was another guy named Larry Hainemi who had been sent up also by Varn, and uh, he became Lars Anderson, you know. So it was kind of funny how these... Uh, it was the same when my dad had this other old, uh, he wasn't a bad old fart, but he was on the downslide then, old Dr. Jerry Graham. I'm sure you guys have heard of him. And uh, oh, yeah. My dad had uh, a big uh, bodybuilder uh, football player who was just breaking in at that time, named Wayne Coleman. And he ended up hooking up with uh, Dr. Jerry and uh, went on to become, uh, as you guys probably know, uh, Bill, Billy Sor- superstar Billy Graham and and Luke, crazy Luke Graham also started up here and uh, with Dr. Jerry. So it was kind of funny how a lot of these uh, things seem to evolve you know, out of uh, you know kind of seemingly uh, you know kind of trivial things and uh, you know but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny how some of those guys uh, evolved into pretty notable uh, people in the business, either as bookers or wrestlers or whatever, you know. But that sounds like you had a pretty good uh, contingent oh, we did, we did. of people um, down there. Yeah, a lot of I uh, had a lot of Facebook friends down here who knew me my my famous beard and my dazzling hat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, uh, it's basically, uh, since it's the Mid-Atlantic, your typical uh, cast of characters, the Mulkies, Paul Jones. Uh, Ron Who is Paul Jones these you. days? Last time he, I saw him, he, he was uh, <laughs> at Cauliflower Alley about 10 years back, and he was, uh, I think he'd had a few drinks or whatever, but he was addressing the throng. <laughs> he kind of... Uh, Launched into a f bomb laden diatribe about Vince and all like that, and was kind of uh, what the uh, that's whisked what off the and, stage uh, and go together. Yeah. <laughs> but those uh, are some uh, those are some iconic okay, names. You know, those guys are all pretty uh, yeah. front and center stars down in the uh, in the heyday of. Uh, Promotion, you know, like guys like Paul Jones and Flair, and uh, yeah, Flair some of those others. Here. Was Arn Anderson yeah. there? Or? Arn Anderson was here. He had his uh, don't know why, but he was kind of separated from the signing autograph room to a different room. Uh, I don't know if that's WWE's doing or because there was not enough room in the main autograph hall, they put him in a different room. Let the conspiracies begin. <laughs> I have a funny feeling that that might have had something to do with him being separated by this. Right, right. Uh, very, uh, very good. Uh, 
uh, of course, I was with Sabu, helping him out. Uh, Sabu, Crack a Smile. And uh, Bob, if you see my Facebook picture with Sabu sitting in a chair, uh, he's saying that I'm number one. Is he using the right finger to tell you? Uh, He used both fingers. (laughs) You'll find it, Bob, on Facebook. Uh, It was a good time. Had by all. Uh, A lot of less vendors and a lot of confusion as to who was showing up. Uh, Harley Wright was, too. Unfortunately, you heard about that bad accident on uh, Friday. Uh, No, I didn't. uh, how did uh, Harley? He, he, was it a car wreck or? No, no. He took a fall in his house. Harley, and, is he uh, in the hospital? He is uh, in the hospital, being taken care of. Uh, all the uh, news reports say that the injury was severe in quotes. A severe so, injury. Yeah. So he's already. Was that uh, neck or? Uh, no, mostly legs. Lower back, legs. Uh, they, did, they did give. I would like to say I think I speak for all of us when I say when I say send well wishes out to the king. Yeah, hail to the I, king. Uh, I hope uh, speedy recovery, Harley. Uh, I uh, I'll have to give old Harley a call. Is he is he at home now or is he in the hospital? Or um, that I, I don't know what the latest been. Me be involved uh, with the fan fest. Um, I just read this uh, through uh, various internet re- news reports, and these are very reputable news sites, not the news with a Z. Uh, so, and also it made the mainstream media in uh, around St. Louis too. So, um, the news report says he took a fall in his house, and it's a severe injury. Um, I don't know what his status is right now. I apologize, sir. Well, on behalf of all wrestling fans, uh, get well soon, Harley. Uh, hope you're up and at him and uh, make a speedy recovery. Uh, more power to you, Harley. Absolutely. Nothing but the best wishes sent out to the king, Harley Race. Long live the king. Long live the king. Indeed. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Mr. Rudy. Yes. I apologize here. I'll let you get back to your point in a second there. You mentioned that you were at this particular fan fest with Sabu. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, do you mind if uh, I go ahead and give everybody some information as to what Sabu will be up to shortly? Uh, yeah. Sure, no problem. As long as it's up above board and if we deny it, it probably happened. <laughs> uh, Sabu will be making his return towards the Indiana area here for IWA Mid-South this upcoming week here. He has something of an indie dream match against the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That is correct. Uh, however, uh, day before, uh, Pro Wrestling Blitz in uh, Juliet, uh, basically they're having a wrestling show and a fan fest, and Sabu will be there to meet and greet with the audience and also wrestle the Pro Wrestling Blitz's top uh, wrestler. I just wanted to go ahead and give a quick uh, give a quick shout out there to Sabu as well. Sabu was actually one of the first guys that I really started following when I got into the business, especially when I started learning about this little promotion out of Philadelphia called Extreme Championship Wrestling when I was educating myself more and more as far as wrestling goes. Because I, I started watching wrestling back in the uh, 
in the mid-90s. The very first live event I ever went to was a WWF house show in, like, 1994 when I was eight years old. But guys like Sabu and people of his ilk, your Sabus, your Sandmans, your Tommy Dreamers and stuff, those are the guys that I originally... originally that's not that's not the correct way to say that. People people of their stature, meaning they're it's a, they're broadcasting good positive uh, airways. People of their ilk, yes. you're talking down to them. I apologize. A, that is uh, that's oh, geez, grammar police. I hate to be the <laughs> You're forgiven. That's a grammatical yeah. layer on my part there, but yeah, but people like. Your Sabus and your Sandmans and your Tommy Dreamers are the reasons that I started watching the little company that could out of Philadelphia. Uh, correct. Um, there's a couple of times Sabu has returned to the building. It's not the same building, unfortunately. Um, it has been uh, construction took over, and they created a new uh, arena called the 2300 Arena. Still in the corner of Swanson and Rittner? Uh, right now it's on uh, Swanson Street, where he took off the Rittner, okay. because he moved the uh, door from the Rittner side to the Swanson side. So basically, even though the building had not physically moved, it changed its address. The entrance path. Right. Okay. That's fair enough. All right. I apologize for going a little bit off tangent there. Continue with your point there, Mr. Rudy. I, again, I apologize. No problem. Um, Bob? Bob, you there? Uh, actually, you're just going with me and Bruce at the present moment. Oh, okay. Uh, well, hey, Bruce, I have a question for you. Actually, uh, excuse me, we've lost Bruce. I apologize. So it's just me? It's me and you. Hello. All right. Hello to the uh, Heartbeat Radio. It's, it's this guy that I don't remember his name, and Thomas J. Rudy. Um, I write for... Uh, various internet news sites. I contribute results to Pro Wrestling Illustrated and various news sites. And I take pictures, which may or may not wind up in some wrestling magazines. If you have any questions uh, I've actually, me, I'm actually quite familiar with your result contributing to the PWI. I've been collecting PWI since like 2000. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, how long do we keep, keep talking until we get Bruce back? Because uh, I could go on. Oh, no, it's fine. We can fill some airspace here. Hopefully we'll be able to get Bruce back onto the air here in a few moments here. We just dropped the call there, so I'm sure okay, that would be As a matter of fact, he's calling back in right now. All right. Yes, yes he is. Uh, Bruce, Bruce right are now. you back with us? Yes, here he is. Sorry, guys, I got cut off there, maybe. <laughs> but uh, Oh, man. Hey, Bruce, you just missed the uh, a hard-fought debate between why uh, Canada uses the metric system. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what did I miss? Uh, you guys were talking about Sabu. Uh, uh, we were talking Sabu's upcoming shows. How is Sabu doing these days, anyways? Did, uh, he... Oh, he's doing, he's doing fine. He came down with me. We actually we drove the road trip from hell. Uh, let me. Do, uh, we went from Lansing, Michigan to Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, to Houston for a crap payoff. Houston to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And then we drive back to Michigan tomorrow. Oh, that's, 
His health's good, Terry. Uh, oh, he, his health's good. He's got a good attitude. Even though he showed me I was number one, he still has good health. And uh, next week, uh, he will be doing another fan fest. So. For the record, well, I'd good. still to have a picture of Sabu telling me I was number one. Uh, Mr. Hart. Yeah. I apologize here, but uh, our original guest from hour number one has joined us here. So if Mr. Rudy doesn't mind, is it all right if we bring him on as well? Uh, yeah. Uh, the more the merrier, as they say. <laughs> it's like a battle royal. Uh, we are joined by Bobby Horn, who most people will remember as Sir Mo from Men on a Mission. Mr. Horn, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you guys? It's great. Bob, I'd like to hear from you, Mo. Uh, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> your uh, seeing fit to come on and uh, what's new and exciting down in uh, your neck of the woods. Hey, man, not a whole lot going on. Just uh, same old, same old crappy uh, <laughs> independent wrestling shows. Oh, that's good. I, I'm told uh, I'm told you're doing a kind of uh, anti-bullying campaign down there. So I, I applaud you for uh, for that initiative, and uh, hope hopefully uh, you know you're able to uh, kind of uh, reach some of the people out there. That's a good good thing to be kind of uh, bringing to people's attention and. Uh, yeah, hopefully that's uh, uh, going well for you. Well, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a very big undertaking. Uh, I don't know how it is uh, in the no- northern part of northwestern part of the country, but uh, here in this part of the country, uh, we have a very serious problem with the bullying going on in the schools. In fact, this week we just had. Uh, three teenage girls to commit suicide. Well, wow. uh, some type from some type of bullying. So yeah, it seems it's to a be, very serious uh, problem. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of not up on all the cyber stuff, but that's a few new dynamics to it with all the uh, the cyber bullying and the uh, online and the tweeting and texting and all that other stuff. It seems to be uh, something that. Uh, has made it a lot more kind of uh, kind of extreme than maybe back in my day. You know, I don't recall uh, people committing suicide. I remember it was like the odd big mouth, obnoxious, you know, idiot right. that would be abusing, so you know, bullying people in the playground and threatening and that type of thing. But uh, this is sort of a new dynamic, so I. I think it, you know. I applaud you for uh, anything you're doing in that regard. You know, and it's uh, obviously a pretty big problem. You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know where you, where you even start. You know, I, I know WWE's been kind of uh, apparently trying to do something in that regard too, which I hope uh, I hope their message is getting out to people, but. Uh, but yeah, any any uh, any message you want to impart to anyone out there uh, right now, I'd be uh, you know welcome you know welcome your uh, perspectives on any of that thing. Okay, well, the biggest thing is 
my organization that I've gotten started is called Bully Mania. Of course, you know, we always want to tag anything that we do when we're in this profession with with with, with some big recognizable name like, you know, you tag Bully with Mania, can associate it with WrestleMania or whatever. Uh, so to, to kind of make it seem like a big deal. Bullying itself is a big deal. In fact, I did a couple uh, events this weekend, uh, and by my estimation, I would say I had uh, well over 220 kids, small kids that parents brought out to uh, hear the program and uh, spoke with a lot of parents about uh, bullying at home, uh, the way they talk to their kids at home, transcends into the classroom and also into the streets. Uh, I use wrestling because I've been doing it for 24 years. I use it as as a as a vehicle uh, to to draw crowds. Uh, I never charge I never charge a fee for kids to come to any of the uh, bully mania events. And adults, when they accompany a child, all they're asked to do is make a ten dollar donation, and that money itself is it's primarily used to uh, uh, just cover the cost of events. Some some building uh, owners are not willing to donate facilities, so uh, there you know there's an expense that has to be paid, and, uh, and you can't all, all the time uh, get enough sponsors to cover that. But also with that. I also uh, use that as an opportunity to take some of the younger guys in this business yeah. that wouldn't normally get an opportunity to to go work in some Just, of the bigger buildings. Hello, bigger buildings, and uh, and I, I use that as an opportunity to give them some some work and 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 uh, take a chance to personally work with those guys. So it's it's kind of twofold where I get to give a message to the kids and to the parents, and then also uh, I get an opportunity to work with some of the younger indie guys and give them an opportunity. Yeah, I think that I've always found that the wrestling business in its own way is a, a good kind of uh, vehicle to, you know, you know, as you know, we always had the heels and the faces. Uh, the heels quite often, the the role that they were playing was that of kind of a a big overbearing bully type thing, you know. But uh, in its own way, it was uh, illuminating. You know, you know, uh, you know how uh, cowardly and uh, detestable bullying is. You know, like. Like most of the heels, that was part of their, you know, their shtick or the game they were playing. They were supposed to be like a big, overbearing, you know, kind of cheater, bully, coward, liar, and all that stuff. And but uh, in its own way, it kind of uh, illuminated, you know, what bullies were, you know. And by that token, you know, I I I thought it was maybe. acceptable you know you weren't really endorsing you weren't certainly making these guys out to be heroes or anything like that but right but, but yeah I, I i think the wrestling you know especially vince or those guys you know you know certainly uh a lot of their 
main guys or role models, you know, so if, if there's any, uh, if they should be taking more initiatives, you know, I think maybe doing the type of thing that you're doing, maybe going out to some of these schools and uh, that type of thing. I, I'd even like I to see maybe WWE, you know, there's enough of these old uh, legends that they have that are sort of, you know, on the payroll or you know, interactive with them. I'd like to see maybe if, uh, to me, it would be a great uh, initiative if they had a guy like yourself or Hulk Hogan or, uh, you know, uh, some of the guys, Steve Austin, Mick Foley, guys like that, maybe going around to schools and uh, kind of imparting that message, you know, about about bullying and uh you know, I think kids might relate to that. You know, and uh, you know, it's it, it certainly. Uh, you know, I I applaud you for you know doing what you're doing. You know, and uh, it's one of those things that uh, you know uh, it's a pretty pervasive problem. So you need to really. Uh, do a lot, you know, there's a lot of things that can and should be done, you know, and maybe are not being done, though, so, but yeah, right. I, I, uh, I wish you very, uh, much success in that regard, uh, Mo, you know, it's, uh, an issue that's all too often, uh, overlooked or, you know, people don't think it's as serious as it is, you know, and, uh, I think uh, the wrestling business is, uh, you know, uh, something that uh, probably more than familiar with a lot of that type of uh, activity. So hopefully uh, your message is being heard by uh, the people you're trying to get it to. I'm I'm certainly uh, trying my best to get it out there in in every way, shape, and form. And at the same time, I'm trying to... uh, uh, with with uh, with the events, I'm trying to get more back to a uh, a regular heel versus babyface type of mentality. Uh, when we do these events, the uh, the guys are told uh, we leave all the crazy non nonsensical high flying uh, stuff in the dressing room. And we we try to stick to the basic good guy bad guy format inside the ring, and so the guys are getting a lesson as well as as the lesson the story that we're we're trying to teach the uh, kids at these events. Uh, the guys are, the guys are learning how to uh, to do it like it was done, you know, years ago. I don't want to I don't want to say. Uh, old school, because I don't think old school ever died. Everybody else wants to tag everything old school. I think oh, yeah, they get the wrong impression. You know, they think it's yeah old farts it's with not, cauliflower ears right, and not, wool tights and all right. that stuff. You know, yeah. right? It's, it's not old school. Not old school. <laughs> it's professional wrestling, and I've learned. I have learned with these events that we do that if if it's done correctly. If the psychology is done correctly, you don't have to have guys who are 350 
flips off the ropes, you know, to get a reaction out of the fans, you know, to tell a story inside the ring. And so uh, I also use it as a, as a catalyst to, to, to teach some of these younger guys, you know, a little bit more ring psychology to keep it inside the ropes. Oh, I think yeah, I totally agree. I think that's always been one of the subliminal messages that wrestling uh, should, you know, be kind of imparting is that uh, it's sort of like crime doesn't pay or it doesn't, and, you know, it doesn't pay to be a, right. a bully and a, an overbearing a-hole type thing, you know. That, that was always one of the... Uh, kind of the moral messages that, you know, uh, I thought the wrestling business was capable of imparting, you know, and uh, it didn't really glorify uh, bullying or, uh, you know, cheating or misconduct. It kind of illuminated the, uh, the character flaws of the people that were perpetrating those things. Of course not. I mean, because in the end, in the end, the the payoff in the end usually uh, the baby faces always shine in the end. You know, uh, being a bad guy, you know, you may get away with it once or twice, but ultimately in the end, good always overcomes evil. You know, which is the message. It oh yeah, that's sort of the old uh, morality play uh, <laughs> shtick, you know. And, uh, yeah, and, no. <laughs> and so uh, by that token, you know, I think uh, I couldn't think of a better guy than yourself for some of these wrestlers to uh, be imparting that message to the kids. You know, a lot of those kids are, you know, I'm a school teacher myself, and sometimes you forget how vulnerable or how uh, Stuff that maybe seems incidental to us, you know. Right. How uh, how much that hurts them, you know. That you know the cyber stuff for ridiculing or you know uh, slandering people or all this other stuff that maybe to to us doesn't seem of any great consequence. You know, it's pretty overwhelming. for them, you know, and then it starts snowballing when you get, you know, peer pressure and other kids, uh, you know, kind of engaging in 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 the, uh, you know, it becomes kind of a mob mentality, unfortunately, with some of these uh, situations, you know. Right. And yeah, I. Uh, but have you ever uh, tried, Bobby, to talk to any of your old colleagues in the WWE about uh, maybe uh, engaging in some of these uh, campaigns with you? You know, it would seem to me uh, a very uh, a good, you know, uh, initiative on their part. You know, they I think be good for public they, relations, and they're, they're certainly a, a visible uh, message. Well, they started. They they. Uh, Vince has Vince, and I I don't I haven't seen much about it here recently, but Vince started a uh, initiative called Be a Star, and I think that initially that that's what they were doing, going out talking to the kids about bullying and, and, and things of this nature. 
but they you know they're only they're only going to reach a certain demographic of schools. You know they're not going to ever they're not going to ever going to come into the uh, lower class suburban neighborhoods. You know uh, they're not going to they're not ever going to come into the ghetto because they don't do that. And uh, so I, I just think that uh, I've contacted them about some corporate sponsorship. You know, if they don't if they don't have the time or the manpower or whatever, uh, you know, uh, make a donation. Give me help me out with the material, uh, and I'll put a crew together, and I'll go city to city, state to state, school to school, and I'll do it five days a week. You know, in the schools across the country, you know, all I need is the support. When you're saying they don't go into the ghetto and all like that, that that's the exact place they should be going. You know, that's right. one of the places where, you know, it's probably uh, needed more than most. You know, and you know, uh, a guy like yourself would be a, a very, uh, you know. Uh, Credible and uh, you know, uh, educator and enlightened uh, authority. You know, you know, uh, by that token, you know, I believe they, so. They, sh- they should be. Uh, it, it's not going to cost them anything. All they're really doing is uh, lending. You know, getting behind you, and if they, uh, you right. know, uh, you know, maybe had you. To me, it means more to have somebody like you imparting your message on the radio than some, uh, you know, somebody like, say, John Cena or something like that, you know, a guy that's been maybe in, you know, those places and uh, seen firsthand and, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, one of the people type thing, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I, I uh, I'd be getting a hold of. I don't know who's the. Uh, you know, they do a lot of buck passing down there, as you and I both know. But uh, yeah, sir. If uh, I would go straight to Vinny and just say, you know, this is, uh, you know, if you heard some of the stuff that I've just heard tonight about these uh, kids, you know, and I think that's part of the problem with bullying is there's this misperception you know, that it's you know, the uh, school ground nonsense and the big you know, uh, the big guy beating up the little guy type thing, but it's a lot more, you know, subtle and uh, you know, kind of intricate now with the cyber bullying and the girls and the uh, all of that stuff, you know, it's not just you know, back in back in my day, I never really thought of girls being bullies. You know, maybe bitches, but not bullies. You know, but but right. But now, but now it's uh, like you were saying. You know, all this petty uh, conniving, backstabbing on the internet, and calling people names, and all this other. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword with social media. You know, you get the good things that it maybe does, but you get all these uh, negative things, including cyberbullying and all this other. And uh, you know, I know as a teacher, it's it's a lot more uh, prevalent and uh, a lot more of a problem than a lot of adults 
tend to think, you know, even myself, I sort of at first thought, well, you know, if you, but, but yeah, I, I certainly uh, applaud your initiatives on that respect, uh, uh, Mo, you know, if there's anything I can do, uh, uh, always let me know, but I'd definitely be uh, contacting Vinny and uh, it would seem to me he should be uh, Embracing that with open arms, you know. Uh, at, at the very least, you would. I, I apologize for stepping in, Mr. Hart, but at oh, the very no, least, uh, you would think that. At the very least, you would think that this would be something that they would be wanting to sponsor, as well as getting out the message of the anti-bullying campaigns to the inner city youth that maybe necessarily to be a star campaign, as Sir Oh Mo yeah, you got Walt a guy Ridge. like Mo, who's uh, you know, I, I think uh, what better person to. Sp- speak to people in, you know, the ghettos and the inner cities and then a black guy that's come from and been down that road. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, that's a lot more credible and uh, enlightened uh, authority on that type of thing than maybe some, you know, John Cena or a guy like that. The chicken of the south. Yeah. but yeah, I, 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 I'd love to, uh, nothing better than to see you maybe become like a spokesperson for that type of thing, Mo. And uh, and just from talking to you myself, you know, you're uh, very uh, articulate and uh, and well, you know, thoughtful about all that. You know, they can tell that you know what you're talking about, and you're pretty uh, legit. You know, you're not, uh, you know full of the sanctimonious BS like so so many of the guys that we run into in the business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but of course. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to uh, continue the mission. I just, uh, uh, the biggest thing is, is, uh, is getting the word out, getting the support out. And, uh, and I have made a few phone calls. <clears throat> Uh, up there to the office, and, and as Bruce said before, it's always you got to get through this person to get through to this person to get through to this person. And so <clears throat> it's been three weeks now since my last phone call, waiting to get through uh, just to speak to Stephanie, you know, <laughs> in regards to something. So it's, it's not an easy process. No, no, I think you and I both Some of know us don't you. have a direct line, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, they they, uh, they have a bunch of people down there in Titan Towers or whatever. I'm I'm sure their sole purpose is uh, just to kind of uh, take the calls and not do anything, you know, to sort of appease you, you know. And, uh, right. But yeah, I would certainly be uh, persisting and trying to get through to Vinny, or hopefully he's still, uh, you know, I don't know whether he's even doing that much or not anymore. I just hear speculation of how much he's involved anymore either, you know, but I, I, right. I certainly hey, hope uh, that. Yeah, you come through. <laughs> I apologize, guys. Uh, this is okay. Tom Rudy. Uh, I have uh, Sabu and his manager, Yusuf. Uh, they're listening to the podcast, and they wanted me to say something. So, I, again, I apologize. I'm stepping into uh, this conversation. Oh, okay. is Sabu there? 
Hopefully. Yes, Sabu is here. Yeah, great. I uh, hope he's doing well. Uh, how are you, Terry? I'm right here. That's me. Yeah, uh, great. Uh, great to hear from you. I uh, hope your uh, health is good and uh, things are going well for you. Uh, Sabu's doing well. In fact, he's turning the channel. Oh, that's he's good. Not, I, uh, not, not the channel, the podcast. No, no, he's turning the the TV off here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I uh, hope he's doing well. It's been a while. I think uh, last time I saw Sabu, we had uh, this so-called match in Michigan with Brutus Beefcake and uh, Greg mm-hmm. the Hammer Valentine, and uh, uh, an abortion, which would probably be the best way to describe it. But mostly uh, okay. due to Brutus. But uh, but yeah. But I, uh, I, yeah, I had nothing but fond memories of Terry and uh, utmost respect for him, you know, and uh, he's always uh, been one of my favorite guys. So I'm uh, okay. honored, I'm thrilled that he saw fit to even uh, come on here. But uh, yeah, I hope you're doing well, Terry, and uh, appreciate your uh, uh, coming on board tonight. Oh, he appreciates it, uh, Bruce. Uh, and uh, we, he's listening on the computer. There's like a 10-second delay. Oh, so yeah. he's trying to listen to me and trying to listen to the podcast, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, Block Talk Radio fine. has a really bad habit of doing a slight delay when they're doing their broadcast. So it's kind of something that oh, you okay. run into as as a supervisor is that you have to let the people that are calling in know that there is a little bit of a delay between us actually having the conversation via phone or via landline, as is the case with Bruce, or via cell phone, as I'm guessing you guys are calling from. Right. Uh, and then the actual over-the-computer broadcast through the blogtalk.radio.com website. Again, if you're listening to the podcast here to hear Mr. Hart elsewhere, the origination of this podcast is blogtalkradio.com backslash PWP radio. This is Heartbeat Radio in association with Powerhouse Radio from ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Carry on, I'm glad you. I'm glad you know all those details because I, I don't. <laughs> That's why I'm here to fill in for Patrick, sir. Um, Mr. Horn, if you don't mind, I'd like to chime in here real quick. Okay. Uh, I mentioned this to you briefly when I when I had the screen call, and then I wanted to uh, mention it to you while we were over there. I mentioned to Mr. Hart earlier before you called in that I started watching the WWF around the time that Men on a Mission and the Hart family and everything were starting to break in around that 93-94 era there. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on your former tag team partner and the unfortunately no longer with us, Nelson Frazier Jr., a.k.a. Viscera or Mabel, depending how people may know him. Oh, wow. Um uh, we're talking about a guy that was uh, had an incredible, incredibly big heart. Uh, a guy who showed up in early part of 1990 to the wrestling school there in Monroe. Uh, he was uh, uh, determined uh, to make it in this wrestling business. He was uh, 19 years old, actually. He just turned 20 years old. He had had some uh, juvenile troubles that he was trying to escape from. And uh, like I said, he was determined that he was going to make it in the in the pro wrestling business. He didn't care what he had to do. Uh, and 
Uh, it didn't matter where we had to drive uh, to, to get an opportunity to work in the ring. Uh, he was willing to do it. You know, of course, we're talking about a guy that well over six foot eight at the time. Uh, five hundred, five hundred and forty pounds legitimately. Uh, well, and, uh, just a super nice guy. Uh, yeah, it seems like it. I, uh, I know whenever I met him, he always seemed like a genuinely uh, sweet, uh, caring type guy. Yeah, su- and, uh, super, super nice guy. Just uh, uh, we we had a lot of problems. We had a lot of problems. Uh, working because <clears throat> Nelson, as I said, he was 20 years old. He was still young, and he was still learning how to to keep his weight off of people. You know, when he hit them with certain maneuvers or whatever, and you know, because he was still learning. You know, well, there was an occasional person that got hurt or something, and, and it caused a lot of problems. You know, I but, remember. Uh, um, I oh, sorry, gentlemen. Uh, go ahead. I'm ready here. Um, I have a uh, Mr. Fraser story. I was stationed in the army um, in Korea back in 2005, and once a year the USO would bring in a uh, wrestling show from uh, independent with a few big stars, and one of those stars right. was uh, Viscera. Right after he was let go from the WWF. And he was friendly to the service members, uh, and I appreciate that for him uh, volunteering. Well, I'm pretty sure he got paid, but, you know, right. being uh, volunteering to uh, come over to Korea and the bases around Korea and Japan. And uh, and I would like to thank him. I know he's passed, but he could still hear me. Uh, I'd like to thank him for that. Well, you know what, I'm, I'm sure that... Uh if he was here, uh, he'd tell you uh, no thanks is needed because he loved, he really enjoyed uh, entertaining the fans. Uh, that was the most important thing to him is the fans getting their money's worth. And uh, and he went in, he went night in and night out, uh, whether he was sick or not, uh, and he tried to uh, give the fans you know, their money's worth. As a matter of fact, uh, 2005, you know, a lot of people probably didn't know, but Nelson wrestled for the last seven or eight years of his life uh, with, a severe, with a severe case of diabetes. But he, he kept, he, he, he kept a, a very big secret from everyone. Uh, he'd, go out, he'd go out and he'd wrestle with, and he'd be extremely sick, but uh, for him the show went on. He would always say to me, uh, "It don't stop till the cast drop." <laughs> and, uh, and that was his philosophy. It don't Did that stop have anything to do? Uh, the diabetes probably contributed to his early, early uh, death. That 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 was the thing that contributed, because what happened was Nelson. Nelson um, uh, con- contracted diabetes, but he 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 wasn't educated. He wasn't educated on on medical insurance and stuff of that nature. Uh, and so, for the last seven plus years, uh, instead of 
you know, get any type of insurance, uh, Nelson paid for all of his medical expenses out of pocket. Well, that would have been pretty expensive. Doctors. Yes. We're talking about doctor's visits. We're talking about medication, you know, insulin and all that stuff. And, in fact, when Nelson passed away, uh, Nelson passed away, he was flat broke. He also paid for medical expenses. And there was, and because he was flat broke, and he was such a private person, and didn't tell anybody, and didn't tell anybody, he went many days uh, without medication. In fact, uh, four weeks before he passed away uh, at an indie show here in Memphis, he broke his arm. He broke oh, his man. arm in three three places, and because he didn't have health insurance, when he went to the hospital. All they did was put it in a sling, gave him some pain medication, and sent him home. So for four weeks, he sat at home, suffered in pain with a broken arm. He couldn't wrestle to make money, so therefore he couldn't buy medication he needed, which ultimately led to his death. Well, I'd like to apologize, folks. Sabu and Yusuf are giggling like little schoolgirls. Here, and there was a certain word that slipped out, and if you heard that word, I apologize. So that, that, that ultimately was uh, the cause of his death. That's a sad story. I uh, I didn't even yeah, know that, Mo. I, I, I was sad to hear when uh, Nelson had passed, but I didn't even uh I didn't even know all yeah. those details. That makes it that much more yeah. uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he suffered a lot his last his his last four to seven, his last I want to say his last five 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 to six weeks alive. He suffered a lot because right after he broke his arm, he couldn't take any more booking at all. And uh, in fact, uh, his wife Cassandra would tell you that Nelson after that went into his bedroom. And the only time he came out of his bedroom after that was to take a shower. He had stopped eating like he needed to. He was severely depressed. And, uh, you know, ultimately he, uh, you know, he, he, couldn't afford the, he couldn't afford the medication anymore. So he couldn't take it like he needed to. You know, when you're an insulin-dependent di- diabetic, you know, you're supposed to take, four or five shots a day and you 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 on a budget and you can only afford one shot a day or two shots a day. You know, it's oh, not yeah. gonna take long, you know, yeah, for the for the body to give up. I'm sure that I'm sure that all contributed to to his death, you know, unfortunately that's that's too damn bad. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it it was tough, man. It, it it was a it was a it was a blow to hear that such a, a wonderful person that you know in his younger years got a real bad rap for hurting guys. You know, the first tour up, but of course, you know, we all have to learn. And I, I think that the the problem with it is is when we showed up, uh, no one took it upon themselves to extend the hand to teach us, you know, or to mentors. So it was like we had to learn everything on the fly. And when you learn it on the fly, you make a mistake. 
and instead of somebody talking to you, but trying to correct the mistake, correct. they're punishing you, putting you in the corner, you know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard to learn from that. I just find it sad that some of these smart marks who didn't appreciate uh, Mr. Frazier's work when he was still alive are now praising him after he passed away. Where were they when he was uh, in need? Right. Yeah. Right. Where right. were you when we needed you? <laughs> <laughs> that's the, you know, and I guess that's how the story goes. You know, all too often, you know. We're 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 great as long as we're in the spotlight and, and we're able to go out there and, and and mess with their emotions on a nightly basis or whatever. But the minute we step out of the spotlight, we're just some old broken down piece of meat that nobody cares about. You yeah, know, you should come sad. and go, you know. Right, and yeah. it's sad because some of us, some of us, some of us can handle, you know that. Being a bro- broken down piece of meat, you know what I mean. And then some of us can't handle that, and oh, the ones of us that can't handle it end up, you know, killing ourselves with a bottle or uh, putting a bullet in our brain, or you know, which well, it's is tough to go. Oh yeah, it's, I've seen it so many times. My own brother-in-laws and my, uh, you know, guys like Pillman and all, but it's. Uh, it's tough to go back to the real world after you've uh, been in the spotlight and you've been uh, right. a hero where you're, you know, making the decent payoffs and you're, yeah. you know, being accorded stardom and people are all uh, wanting to meet you and uh, look all that other. And then once you're out of that spotlight... Uh, a lot of the guys can't handle it. It's uh, it's it's pretty tough, uh, you know, to go back to uh, you know the real world. You know, uh, yeah. it's tough to go back to uh, you know nine to five job and you know taking cool. orders and not being you know. A lot of guys can't handle it, which is uh, why they're unfortunate, uh, right. you know, blowing their brains out or. And seeing some of the guys at uh, WrestleCade here, like uh, Larry Sabisco and Megum TA and right. other guys in wheelchairs and hover rounds and, uh, and canes, and also seeing Bobby, Bobby Heaton in this condition. It's right, right. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's too very damn bad. We you know. Know. Look, yeah, I remember. It's crazy, guys, because, uh, you know, I'm on dialysis three days a week, right? And I was watching I was watching, uh, uh, I was watching the, uh, the movie The Wrestler. You know, oh, the yeah, scene man. in the movie The Wrestler where uh, Randy goes to the uh, autograph signing and all the uh, old guys are there, a couple guys in a wheelchair. The one guy's got the, uh, he's got the, the bag hanging Catheter. from his leg. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, you know, and, and I was watching that scene, and, and, and in that instant, you know, I saw myself in that scene, and I was thinking, you know, this this is legitimately how it is, you know, for for us older guys, you know, the ones that 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 don't know how to, you know, close that book and move on and go, 
do something, you know, do something else. I mean, because you hate answering that one question when a kid walks up to you or some guy walks up to you and say, hey, man, I remember when you used to do this, this, and this, and what happened, man? What You know, where did you go? You know, why why don't you wrestle anymore? And, oh, yeah. And, and, then, and you try to, in your mind, you don't want to say, well, you know, I guess they didn't think I was good enough anymore, so now I'm driving a truck or, you know, now I'm picking up garbage because, you know, you know, one minute you're a star in this person's eyes, and then the next minute you got to explain to them that, you know, you're 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 picking up garbage for a living, you know, because they want to know how did you go from being this big TV star to a trash man, you know, and yeah, a lot of them think in their mind, well, you were a TV star and you blew all your money, and and and, and, and now you're just a garbage man, but. The reality of it is, like for me, for example, uh, the reality of it is I never made any money. I, no, yes, that's, I that's was on TV. Yes, I was on TV. But if 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 you look at the amount of money that I made compared to the expenses that I had on the road, I might as well have been working a nine-to-five job. Oh, yeah, I, I think – I think you hit the nail on the head because in other sports, at least, you know, they they have like uh, unions and they got uh, pension plans and all this other, but nothing like that in the wrestling, you know. And most most guys have a short uh, window, you know. They don't have like the uh, ten-year, twenty-year careers like uh, maybe a baseball player. They have maybe uh, one year or two years, and and they're not making anywhere near as much as people think they made either. And then. Bang, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, to uh, Sir Mo, did uh, WWF have any financial classes or financial advisors available for you, for the workers back there, uh, back no. when you were there? No. Not, no. Nothing like that. No. Financial planning. No. Look, my 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 uh, my annual gross income. The first the first year I was there, uh, my taxable income was fourteen thousand dollars. And I was on the and I was on the road two hundred and sixty five days. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, that just yeah, I know I've heard similar stories from Nightheart and yeah. and Davy yeah, Boy that. and uh, Pillman and you know uh, it's, it's you know uh, yeah nowhere near yeah, what people think. The problem with it is is that pro wrestling is one of the very few major industries in regards to being of a sports nature where the athletes themselves are expected to cover the expenses for the day-to-day traveling as well as the, uh, the dining and lodging equations. You don't have those same kind of situations in the other major oh, sports yeah. that you do in pro and wrestling. They don't have like pension plans and they don't have a union and they don't have uh, yeah. anything after, you know, after they... Uh, get terminated, you know, that's it. They're, they're not like, you know, uh, and, the, and, the, and the problem with that is, I'm going to tell you, it's my personal opinion, and I know it's going to piss a lot of people off, but, you know, don't nobody put food on my table but me. The problem with it is, is that we are in a business of self-serving uh, people that don't care nothing about them own selves. You know what I mean? With the, with the NFL guys, they know that with that union, they control. They they at least have a say so over a lot of stuff. 
You cannot get five rest. You cannot get five wrestlers together in a room and them agree on one thing. Don't get one five wrestlers you pick around the world. You cannot put them in a room and those five wrestlers agree wholeheartedly on one particular issue and everybody agree on it. You know, nope. and, 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 and they uh, and, they don't uh, stick they, together. <laughs> they, uh, they don't, and yeah. they've been talked about. They'd you, be the you. first to, uh, you know, uh, they're all buying to take somebody else's job and uh, backstabbing, and as soon as they take somebody else's job, they couldn't care less about him, or uh, and then the same happens to them, you know. And I, I can't see it ever changing. You know, I've heard I've heard right. talk for years about having a wrestlers' union, but. Most cases, the wrestlers used to just, you know, uh, abandon their buddies and go back to the promoters and uh, undercut the others and, you know, same old, same old, yeah. you know. So, yeah. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but does uh, the current WWE uh, with JBL being a self-made millionaire through Wall Street and Mike Butchie, aka Nova and Simon Dean, being a uh, licensed financial uh, stock analyst? Uh, do they come back to WWE and you know, advise those guys? Have like quarterly meetings about finances? <laughs> I doubt it. I've never heard no. of the. If they do, I've never no. heard of it. You know. No. I, okay. I, 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 a bit I, of a dog eat dog wrestling uh, business is dog eat dog from what I've seen. I actually do believe Mr. Rudy is correct. They do offer financial advice to employees that are currently under contract. Now, to my yeah. knowledge, these courses they, are not they, mandatory, they but they do offer them. So, they just they just implemented that program here recently. It's not yes. something that's been going on a long time because I actually got a an email a week ago. They they just recently started offering the financial planning. And then they offered a five thousand dollar. Uh, it's kind of like closing the. It's for, like closing for, the barn door uh, after the. It's like closing the barn door after the horse got out. Though they're advising guys after they've already gone tits up or they've already gone right. broke. You know, it's like uh, I maybe needed you twenty years ago, and I maybe had a little bit of money, and uh, I needed some financial planning advice then, but. It doesn't mean anything after you've already blown whatever you had, you know. And I've seen the uh, so, but you know, I, same with the drug stuff. I, I hear from a lot of my old WWE buddies that they send them these, uh, like if you need drug counseling or if you want to go into rehab, uh, let us know, you know. But most of these guys are past that point, or you know, it's almost. Of no consequence now, you know. When it, when they needed it, they probably should have been going into rehab ten, fifteen years ago. Not not now, right. after they've pretty much crashed and burned, and they don't have anything, no self respect or anything else, right. you know. But that's all just I think covering their rear ends anyway. I think you know. I believe that's all just for that reason, you know. But um, Mr. Hart, yeah. I just wanted to give you a quick heads up and to everybody listening live on the Blog Talk Radio website. We are within the last minute of the live broadcast of Heartbeat Radio. However, we have up to an Hello. 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 Hey, uh, 
I just yeah, he was talking and then he disappeared. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was strange. Yeah. Uh, well, so, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to plug some of Sabu's uh, upcoming events. Um, Friday, okay. he will be in Melvindale, Michigan, uh, wrestling for Pro Wrestling All-Stars. Uh, Saturday, he will be in Juliet, Illinois, with uh, Pro Wrestling Blitz. It's a wrestling show, plus there's going to be a fan, mini fan vacation outside the parking lot, and Sabu will be there to be the greatest fans. And Sunday, he will travel down to Indiana, to wrestle for Ian Ryan's IWA Mid-South Wrestling. All right. Kick-ass, Terry. I hope it goes well for you. Keep the faith and uh, and stay in touch. All the best to you, my friend. All right. Uh, I, I will uh, relate that to him. Mr. Hart, can you hear me? Yeah. I apologize for that. My phone cut off in the middle of, the middle of my speech there. Uh, go ahead and finish up, Mr. Rudy. I apologize. Uh, um, just if you want to catch me on Facebook, just look up my name, Thomas J with a period, Rudy, spelled R-U-D-E. It's okay. spelled rude, but it's pronounced Rudy. A rude right. awakening. <laughs> a rude awakening. <laughs> a Rudy awakening. Yeah. That's Rudy it. awakening. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll check that out myself, Thomas. I appreciate your, uh, coming on and, uh, I thank all you guys, uh, Enjoyed the uh, dialogue tonight and uh, uh, covered a lot of stuff. So it was a lot of fun, and uh, I think we uh, addressed some important issues too with uh, with Mo and uh, some of the other people. So uh, I'm glad. Hart. Glad. Yep. Uh, we're off the air on Blog Talk Radio right now. However, we have up to an hour of extra time if you'd like to continue the conversation with these gentlemen. Yeah, I'm I would love game to. for whatever, you know. Uh, I uh as I, as I was saying, I uh I actually uh enjoyed the uh, dialogue. It was it was you know, uh a step above some of the uh sometimes you're just bullshitting and talking about the wrestling business. But uh right. you know, uh we were actually covering some pretty important topics like bullying and and drugs and all, so I, I'm I'm glad that uh, you know, financial if, planning, yeah, yeah, financial planning. If, if anyone uh, gained anything from uh, some of Mo's perspectives or some of the other people, uh, so I I uh, I, I, I uh, appreciate everything. Uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, let me uh, let me apologize, guys, for coming on late. I I. I I don't know what I was thinking. I uh, this past uh, weekend I had two bully awareness events that I had been pushing for well over two months, and I'd been pushing so hard that I I, I failed to go to dialysis, dialysis treatment for a week. I almost killed myself because I was out running, you know, trying to get sponsors and pushing these things that I didn't even go to treatment for a week. And so then when I returned back to treatment on Thursday, uh, it, the treatment didn't go well because I had, like, 20 pounds of food I had built up uh, for not, you know, going to treatment for for a week. And, uh, you know, this is just this is just one of those things that that goes along with, with this business. You know, you got to try to stay healthy uh, every way you can. And at the same time, we still try to get out and work, do the work. Even though we're not healthy, and so yeah, I, I was, I was kind of tired, 
And uh, then I received a message from Bob Johnson. Reminded me, hey, I thought you was going on the radio tonight. And I was like, oh, my Jesus, Bob, I thought you were going to call me. But then I realized <laughs> he sent me the number. So I just want to apologize to you guys for being late. Well, uh, no need to apologize, boy. I'm especially uh, taking into consideration some of the things you got to deal with with your uh, dialysis and all like that. I am very appreciative that you even uh, took from your busy schedule to even see fit oh, to come on. And, uh, I, and I, it's a small uh, thing, you know. It's really a and small I, I, thing. I, and I really uh, applaud your message too, and uh, endorse everything you're doing with the. Uh, anti-bullying campaign, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's really, uh, you know, uh, shows where your heart is, you know, and I, uh, yeah. I, I applaud that. I, I, I'd love to see Vince, Vince McMahon get on board with you. You know something that I, I, I wanted to mention, too, while I'm on this radio program, uh, and, and, and it's something that I, I, uh, I, I find and I hold very dear, near and dear to my heart. Uh, when I worked for Vince McMahon in 1994, there was an issue. I had an issue uh, overseas with Shawn Michaels. Uh, mind you, uh, he assaulted me, and, and it, it led to a, a whole year of me being off the road, off TV, and some other stuff almost led me to commit suicide. But when I had that issue that night, a lot of people don't know this. When I had that issue that night, Bret Hart was sitting. He was sitting right across the room, and when Shawn Michaels left the room, Bret Hart pulled me to the side, and he said, "He said, Mo, he says, uh, he says, I just want to tell you this. He said, you didn't do anything wrong. He said, but you got to fix that. You got to fix that issue. And at the time, it puzzled me, you know, what Bret was talking about. And Bret was like. What you got to do is, when nobody else is around, you got to pull Shawn Michaels to the side, and you got to apologize to him uh, for what you said and for being disrespectful. And I thought at the time, you know, why would I apologize to this guy? He assaulted me, you know, not not realizing it's just the politics of the business. So I did as Brett told me to do, and I've always remembered how he tried to help me you know, that night. And and then 20 years later, I called Brett up and I said, hey, Brett, uh, I'm doing this benefit show uh, to raise money for a kidney transplant for myself because I have to raise, raise $30,000. I said, Brett, can you uh, come and do this benefit show? And in my mind, I already, I already know it, it's, it's Brett Hart. You know, it may cost me a few dollars to get this done. You know, so Brett said, sure, just give me the date. I gave him the date, and Brett said, uh, get me a plane ticket in the motel room, and, and uh, it was some kind of water, just bottled water. He said, just have this bottled water in, in my hotel room, and I'll do it. So, uh, you know, I wanted to thank Brett Hart for being the person that he is, you know, being the superstar that he is and was, to even – Take out of his free time for no money, no no financial gain, no reward, no anything, to volunteer his time to get on a plane and and fly from Calgary to Tennessee to uh, participate in this benefit. 
And and not only did he do it for free, he didn't even bother. He he was sitting there at the meet and greet, and he didn't have pictures. Like Sonny and Luke brought pictures, and they were selling pictures, making some extra money. And Brett didn't even bring pictures. And I said, Brett, I said you didn't you didn't bring pictures to sell to to make you some money. He said, he said no, brother. He said I'm here for you. He said I'm not here to make money for me. This isn't for me. I'm here for you. He said, I, I just assumed that you would have pictures, we'd sell the pictures, and you would make the money I'm here to help take. And and of all the people that I've met in this business that I've had any dealers with, that one guy, that one gesture, yes. will, go to, will go with me in my heart to my mm-hmm. grave. That Bret Hart was that kind of person. And I, I told, and I said this, uh, to Bruce a couple weeks ago when he was on my radio program, Stu Hart and Helen Hart must have been some of God's greatest angels to raise children like that because there's not one superstar on the planet that I know that's ever been where Bret Hart's been, done the things that Bret Hart's done that would have just openly volunteered their time like that for for no compensation. No, I'm, uh, and I applaud that. I uh, greatly uh, appreciate your saying those things. Uh, and, uh, I'll definitely let Brett know or tell him to uh, listen. He might be listening, and I uh, I'll let him know that. And uh, and I I, uh, I applaud your courage, Mo. You know, just uh, overcoming. You know, those are a lot of uh, pretty. Uh, uh, pretty insurmountable things on your plate, you know, with the uh, dialysis and some of the other things that you me- were mentioning and uh, diabetes and all like that. So uh, I uh, I certainly wish you well, you know, and uh, may- you know, I hope you uh, have the strength and fortitude and good fortune to overcome some of that. You know, it's, uh, well, it's I, I just. Uh, I want to. I want to just make sure that uh, no matter what happens, my my goal, uh, especially with the whole bullying uh, thing, is I want to save a million a million children, and 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 the way to do that, I can't do it all at once. So if I can save one, and that one can save one, and that one can save one, all the way till we save a million, then I'll go to my grave happy, knowing that I made a difference. And that's all I care uh, about is making a difference. Uh, uh, Sir Mo, uh, Tom Rudy yes, here. Uh, do you have like a uh, web link or a Twitter account for people to follow you and your causes? Uh, you know what? I've, I've got a uh, bullymania.org, bullymania.org, bullymania.org.blogspot.com. i got a, a blog there. Uh, okay. And uh, I post on, uh, start posting here weekly things that's going on with me and and ways to get in contact with me. And uh, there's a there's a place there on the Who We Are page that, you know, if if anybody wants to take an opportunity to go there and make a donation to the cause, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I will. You know, the, the struggle continues. I sincerely uh, hope uh, Vince McMahon or his cohorts uh, maybe uh, 
see fit to get behind you. I hope uh, they uh, somehow they get on board with you because uh, that would really go a long way to uh, getting your message out there. And uh, I'll see if I can uh, make a few, uh, extend a few feelers from some of the people I know, you know, because uh, it's a great cause and, uh, you know, uh, a message should be uh, gotten out there. So, I, I, uh, I really appreciate that. I really yeah, appreciate that. I appreciate you guys allowing me to come on your radio. I, uh, like I said, I apologize for being late. I, I appreciate uh, your candor, your patience with me. Uh, I uh, appreciate the uh, the the whole idea of uh, the gentleman asking about Nelson. Uh, Nelson was a great guy. Loved him dearly. Uh, it's, it's sad that you know he had to pass away four days after this. 42nd birthday, uh, but I think that he left his world. He made an impact in this business. You know, rather people loved him, hated him, or whatever. I think he uh, he 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 made a different impact, and uh, he just he loved what he done, and I love what I do. Uh, there's yeah, people in this business, it. Bruce Hart, Brent Hart. There's uh, I, I I love those people, uh, and, and there's a lot of other people in this business that I love. Uh, most importantly, I love children, and uh, uh, my whole thing with with the wrestling career, what little bit I have left, what little bit of health I have left, uh, is devoted to uh, saving some of uh, our youth, and I just want people to get behind that. That's awesome. I like it. It's an excellent. Uh, I apologize for stepping in here, but it, it's an excellent okay. cause that you're doing, Mr. Horn, and it's something that n- maybe not enough people understand the importance behind in that, as you said there, you don't have to reach all of these children at once. If you can reach so many children and then all the kids that they reach and so forth and so on, you create a chain of knowledge and the importance of getting behind a message like this. I personally am going to be making sure that I share the link to your website on the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse group. Um, I'm sure that uh, we'll try. We can see what we can do about perhaps issuing a donation as well on behalf of Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. And what I will make sure to do as well is I will keep in touch with the owner of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com and maybe see about getting you guys uh, a full-on feature write-up on the website itself as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Every little bit uh, helps, you know. And uh, as I said before, if somebody can uh, maybe get Vince McMahon's ear or Hunter's or whoever, I really believe they would uh, be uh, ready to support something like that, you know. I don't think they probably know a lot of the details, so I think if they if they heard what I heard tonight from Mo, you know, I would be uh, jumping on board, you know, because it's a great cause, and uh, it's uh, something that... Uh, is really uh, near and dear to most wrestling fans' hearts, you know. That's uh, so. I, I hope uh, the message maybe some other gets back to them. Bruce, yeah, we can still hear you, Mister R- Mr. Rudy. Okay, uh, I'm going to have to drop out here. Uh, it's been a long five weeks here, so uh, Mister Bed needs me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I thank you for coming on. Uh, always appreciate your uh, 
in, insight and your perspectives, Thomas. And uh, I look forward to the next time. And uh, okay. I'd like to thank any, any and all of you guys for all of your uh, input tonight. It was uh, for me. It was uh, a lot of fun and uh, quite enlightening. And uh, I think it served some uh, very good purposes. Oh, I agree. I enjoyed being here. Thank you for your time, Mr. Rudy. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. All the best, Thomas. Good evening. Hey, Bruce. Yeah. It's uh, Dave Body from Calgary. How are you, Dave? Uh, Just come on? I've been here for about 49 minutes now. Oh. Yeah. Good things. (laughs) Just enjoying the stories and stuff. Oh, good things come to those who wait, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, touche. Yeah. Um, as long as he didn't get body slammed or whatever. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Bob actually. I'm almost certain me. that Bruce makes that joke probably every time he speaks to you, Dave. <laughs> it, it happens quite a lot. There's a lot of references with my last name, which is yeah. quite. It's quite um, flattering. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So what's up, Dave? Uh, Bob texted me to come on because you guys were doing a bowling special, and he figured that I would be a perfect candidate to come on. So I come, I came on. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, any uh, anything uh, new and exciting, or anything uh, you wanted to kick around or chew the fat about, or, or oh, of course, I, I honestly, or... I was talking to Bobby about a week and a half ago. I think I contacted him. With with my campaign, Bodyguards United. Oh yeah, and I I expressed the idea of helping him come to Canada for a like a wrestler reunion type benefit show for bullying and depression and suicide for youth. So I just wanted to say personally to to, to Mr. Mo there that I I've been following his work for quite a while. I've been sharing as much as I could for him. However, I'm hoping to learn more about him. I'll ask him right now. He's still on the line, I believe. So anything uh, you want to share, or if you want to do it on, you know, one-on-one afterwards, if there's anything. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're still on there, eh, Bobby? Yes, sir. I'm here. Yeah, maybe Dave's got some some things he wanted to touch bases on uh, bullying or whatever with you, so. Uh, okay. Is there anything, Dave? Of course. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you remember or not, but you and I spoke, Bobby, about a week ago on my Bodyguard United campaign. Do you recall that conversation? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am. I'm busy, but I'm fantastic. Um, like I said about a couple minutes ago, I, I've been following everything you're doing. I wanted to say first and foremost that 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 new title that you debuted is, is actually amazing. Yes, sir. And I'm uh, very uh, proud of this to see that. I wanted to uh I, I wanted to uh when I went out to uh speak with sponsors. I I, I wanted to uh be able to uh catch their eye, you know, walking in the door. I wanted to, I wanted to have a real good presentation of of what I was about. And it wasn't just be me coming to doctor and talk to somebody about professional wrestling. I can respect that completely and and psychologically, it made a lot of sense because when, when when I saw the title, I was like, "Holy cow, that's that's impressive!" It because I've been doing this for since 2011, 
and I've I've ran Bodyguards United since then as well through my story and how I survived depression and suicide for 16 years and how I went through bullying for 12 years and lost a best friend of mine in 2004 because he, he hung himself. Right. So when that happened, I started taking it more serious and then I started looking for more options and then I came across your story through a news feed share and then that's how I came interested in talking to you and I wanted to extend the support on behalf of myself as well as bodyguards and to say that we will figure out a means to bring you to Canada because, like you said, you wanted to help one million kids. And I think the more exposure you get, the more awareness you have towards your company and towards your organization. Yes. And I, so I, and I, would, to let, uh, yeah. I would look forward to coming to Canada to do something. Oh, most definitely. I I have a tour in January 2015 that we're hitting Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa, and potentially Vancouver. And that's, it's going to go for about 10 days. After that, though, I was actually looking forward to speaking with you further about having a Canadian tour with you as well as some other contacts you may have and some contacts that I may have to help your your mission and help mine collaborate together. Okay. 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 WWE might, if you approach them, might, might give you some money to... Uh, help kind of pay for some of, you know, flying Bobby up here or uh, some of that, you know, I think if you presented, I don't know, maybe uh, I gave him an outline of what your objective is, you know. Oh, most definitely. Um, I used to hit schools. However, here in Canada, the school system is very, very strict and very controlled of who they let come into schools, what they speak about, for how long they speak about. To give an example, I was in talks with St. Peter's School here in Calgary for six months, just for an hour time slot of an appearance, and I realized that that was a huge amount of waste of time. Therefore, I elected to approach recreational centers and big events and venues like that. Um, for our tour, currently in January, we're hitting huge recreational centers because we're getting a lot of response from sponsors and media and I have a lot of contacts with Shaw TV and Global News and CTV News. I have support from Our Lady Peace, Jan Arden, um, you know, uh, our, our yeah. good friend TJ Wilson. So like, I have a lot of support, and I want to be able to help Bobby get the exact same uh, support. Do any of these groups like Boys and Girls Clubs and some of those, they should be uh, on board or very uh, kind of supportive of what you're doing you know have oh, you approached sure. any I, of them like any of the uh, boys and girls of the ymca or the uh some of those others i'm sure there's a lot of them in uh the states different uh names here i don't know what uh we you have know, but, boys uh, and girls club down here Bruce. yeah like i would think that you know that would be right down their alley that type of thing you know i i know that uh I've spoken at the odd time at boys and girls clubs and uh, bullying and uh, say no to drugs and things like that or things that they're quite, uh, you know, uh, involved with. So I, I would think they wouldn't be a bad place. I think maybe if you're perhaps talking to some of them, that might add some weight to if, say, you approach WWE and said, you know, planning on hoping to bring Bobby up here to 
you know, just, you know, impart this message. And we have the boys and girls clubs, or we have the uh, some of these other uh, youth organizations uh, involved. It would be that much more compelling for WWE to uh, say, yeah, this is, you know, great, you know, public relations, uh, you know, and I think they're in a position right now where they need to be, uh, you know, imparting that message too. You know, their image has, you know, been hot and cold. You know, some of the things they've done in the last year or two haven't enhanced public's perception of them. So I would think they should be all, all uh, ready, willing, and able to get on board with uh, your cause. Oh, most definitely. I talked to Boys and Girls about nine months ago. Uh, the, the talks were went on for about a month and a half. But like I said, the same thing situation happened with the schools where they were trying to tell me what I could speak about, what I can share, for how long. And I just realized that when I got created, loss of creative control, it, it basically diminished the impact of my speech. It basically diminished the, the emotional attachment that the kids have with me. So I realized that I had to start making contacts the old-fashioned way, which is holding events and building sponsorship the old-fashioned way, bringing approaches. And uh, I released commercials. I released a website. I released a clothes line. I released my logos. So I've been doing a lot of hard work in that regard. Um, however, the good news with, with Be A Star program for WB is there's no Canadian influence yet on that program. Um, I went to BeASTAR.com. I tried to sign up, but it's only available to the United States of America right now. So what well, I do have as leverage is I can approach them to be and say that they have no Canadian, basically, involvement right now on the basis of that company. So I'm trying to build a leverage case with that. Why don't you uh, try to get a hold of Brett? You know, I think that would be great if you had maybe Brett and Bobby uh, appearing together, you know. And I'm sure oh, Brett, uh, Brett would be uh, all, all over that uh, message. You know, I'm sure he's... Uh, Available, you know, and probably uh, he's obviously got some recognition or name value, you know. So, oh, that, he, that he, might not he, be a bad uh, initiative if he, maybe he and Mo got out there and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, did some kind of speaking together. You know, they're both sort of, you know, uh, endorsing the cause and. Uh, coming from different perspectives, you know, uh, so socially and, you know, their backgrounds and all like that, which adds that much more, you know, kind of credence and impact to it, you know, or they're coming from different backgrounds, but they are, you know, imparting a powerful message to the kids, you know, about, you know, bullying and, and some of these other related uh, things that, you know, the suicides and the uh, dropping out of school and some of the other stuff that are all kind of a byproduct of the bullying and all of that, you know, so. Oh, I, I completely agree. Like, the, the statistics speak for themselves. Over 170,000 youths worldwide daily skip school or don't go to school out of fear of bullying. Every 90 seconds, a youth is being bullied. Every 40 seconds, someone's ending their life and statistically increasing for youth. Um, I've received over 18 
messages on my bodyguards on my page within the last three months of suicides. Like, it's greatly increasing, and it's at an alarming rate. So I've been spending a lot more money to get more commercials and the more more awareness. Because the problem that I've found with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is that there is dozens upon hundreds of dozens of anti-bullying Facebook pages. So the competition is, is extremely powerful, but the solution is being unique and authentic. And that's why I spent over $8,000 in the last three years on Bodyguards to help it build that authenticity and that unique look to it and making youth coaching programs and anti-suicide and, and suicidal intervention prevention programs, uh, gang intervention prevention, uh, support of character police service. And I've been implementing a lot of programs with the intention of bringing a unique look to bodyguards to make it more appetizing, to make it more attractive. And that's when I realized what Bully Mania was doing, and I realized that they were doing the exact same pattern. So I figured a collaboration between both Bully Mania and Bodyguards would not only benefit Bobby and, and his cause and mine, but it would make our goal of helping as many kids as possible increase faster. And that's what my, my main intent was to talk to Bobby about collaboration. Yeah, well, I, I think collaboration, uh, taking it one step further, get the damn WWE on board to collaborate, and uh, all of a sudden your message is going to be incrementally uh you know expanded and uh and i honestly cannot see why vince or whoever would be just making that decision would not want to be uh all over this you know it's i'm sure uh something that uh i've heard more than a few times you know of incidents happening with kids killing other kids, trying to do WWE-type moves and all this other type of stuff. So I think oh, it would be very sure. good if WWE was, uh, you know, uh, looking like they're, you know, 100% behind that issue and, and they got a an excellent spokesperson in Mo and, uh, you know, I'm sure... Uh, there's a lot of his buddies. I'm sure there's a lot of guys that Bobby's got that are uh, former wrestlers and other guys that would uh, resonate his message too. So it, oh. I think it's just a matter of uh, if WWE uh, kind of knew that you know you guys had this uh, initiative and uh, and was pretty uh, you know you had quite a few things together and what you really need to do is kind of you know, uh, take advantage of their ability to get the message out for you, you know, because they have a huge audience that they're reaching every week, whether it's on TV or their Facebook and Internet and all like that, you know. Uh, and I, I think uh, there's some really uh, great potential for uh, imparting your message, just a matter of uh, maybe seeing, you know, trying to get a hold of Vinny or whoever the uh, person down in WWE might be, you know, and uh, I'd be persistent, you know, I know Bobby's the same as me, uh, you have to keep plugging away with them, you know, every now and then you uh, get the right person on the phone, but more often than not you get a lot of, uh, you know, buck passing and 
you know, uh, we'll have them call you or, you know, double talk and all that other, you know. So you got to sort of keep uh, persisting, but certainly a, a message that uh, needs to be uh, heard. Oh, for sure. And the, the last time I spoke with you was on the uh, Owen Hart special, and I remember I, I spoke to you about how Owen and, and Davey and Stu were always there for me growing up and basically, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's the truth where they helped me survive and helped me get over the bullying and depression. And that is why I released the pink Bodyguards United logo was as a tribute for the hearts. And that's the reason why I told Bobby that this tour means a lot to me personally because it's, it's professional wrestling was my outlet. It was my my focus to keep me determined and focused. And, and that's why I tell all the kids I speak to on a daily basis that the number one way to defeat bullying and depression and suicide is focus. It's being focused on that goal. Be focused on that, that dream of yours, that passion. And you'll be amazed that when you're focused how it's, it helps you become invulnerable to being bullied where people are like, oh, wow, I can't bully that kid because he's too focused. He's too happy. He's too driven. He's too passionate. And that's what Owen and Davey and Stu did for me with Stampede Wrestling and at BJ's gym and so forth whenever I spent time with them. And that's why I would love to have Brett on the tour as well as Bobby. And I'm also in contact with George Animal Steel and Tatanka as well and, and Mark Merrill because they're all doing speaking as well on a level. Yeah. So I, like, I, was, I have a lot of contacts myself, but my concern is I don't know the backstory if there's any issues with Bobby or any individuals. So that's why I want to talk to Bobby first about who I can reach out to to help us out. Yeah, well, I'm sure... Uh you can probably exchange numbers or whatever, oh, you know. Sure. And, uh, and uh, I think it's a great cause, and I uh, I certainly think Bobby's a great uh, great person to be uh, interacting with, you know, because he's straight from the heart, you know, very sincere, and uh, and uh, he's been in those. You know, he's been in the ghettos and he's been in the, uh, <clears throat> around the, uh, you know, the poor and the impoverished and the people that, you know, are going through that stuff. So he's not just some elitist or some superstar who's, you know, uh, doing a 30-second promo and doesn't uh, know or care. You know, he's very empathetic. So. Oh, and you know, that's what I'm looking um, for so yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. If you'd like, if you want to take control here real quick, I can actually, uh, I can actually get Mr. Horn and Mr. Body in touch through the uh, screening queue here, and I'd be able to have them exchange information if they'd like. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. If there's anyone else uh, on the on the vine here, uh, <laughs> I don't even know who's on or if I'm. Talking to myself at, or whatever. That's funny. At present, it's just the four of us. Okay, I I, uh, I always lose track, you know, and then I'll hear a voice and oh, jeez, I thought you had hung <laughs> up an hour ago or something like that. You know, you, or are you still you here? Still have, <laughs> you still have me, Sermo, and Mister Body. Okay, so yeah, if 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 Sermo and uh, and Dave are going to exchange uh, emails or uh, whatever information on, on the side there. Uh, you know, we can uh, discuss anything else in the interim or 
whatever, you know, uh, if there's anything right, else. What I'll do that, is I'll set them up. I'll set them up inside of the uh, inside of the the screening area, and then I'll be right back live with you, Mr. Hart. Okay, and I, uh, if there's any other wrestling fans out there uh, that want to join in or in, come into the conversation, feel free. Be more than happy to uh, talk to you or uh, hear your perspective. So. Mr. Hart, you still there? Yeah. All right. Uh, Mr. Horn and Mr. Body are talking in the uh, screening area, so that way they can exchange the contact information there. And I, I just wanted to say, while I had the chance here, what an influence your family has been on me as well. Um, not just referring to your, not just referring to the specifically your two brothers, uh, Brett and Owen, but also to your brother-in-laws, um, Davey and Jim Knighthart, as well as your nephew, well, technically nephew. Well, I guess technically you'd be your nephew-in-law now. Something like TJ that, would TJ. be your nephew-in-law, right? Yeah, and uh, Natalia and uh, Harry and uh, um, probably a few of the others that uh, came out of here, The maybe uh, Pillman's and Jericho's and Benoit's and some of those guys, you know, so... But yeah, I and that actually it. brings me back to one of the uh, one of the people that I wanted to ask you about here. We were having the conversation about the smaller guys that got oh, yeah. a, that got their chances in the WWE earlier, and I wanted to ask you about a man that you had a hand in training, and that being the Lionheart, as we originally know him, but now we obviously know him as Y2J, being Chris Jericho. Yeah. Uh, what are yeah. some of your memories of Jericho when he was first coming up to the Hart Brothers University? He, he originally came up with a guy named Lance Evers. Uh, sometimes known Lance as Lance Storm. Storm. Yeah, and he was always a very nice kid, Chris, Chris Irvin, Chris Jericho, you know, and he was always quite respectful and uh and uh not not nearly as cocky or kind of uh brash as maybe his persona in the ring might you know come across as, you know, actually pretty quiet and uh humble type guy and I always thought he was a nice kid Chris and uh, I um, I'm glad to see he's enjoyed a fair bit of success you know I don't I don't think they've already always used him that well you know I'm not sure what his persona is anymore it's a little bit kind of ambiguous these days but uh but yeah I, I uh, always thought he was a nice kid Chris and uh you know, developed into a, a pretty decent worker, you know, and I never found he uh, became a mark for himself or his ego uh, got unduly inflated or anything like that. So, but yeah, nice kid. He's uh, he's had a pretty uh, successful and uh, you know accomplished career. So I uh, I'm I'm. Uh, proud of what he's done you know he's a credit to uh 
the dungeon and the heart legacy or whatever, you know, he certainly, uh, you know, makes good impressions and certainly a guy that we uh, are more than happy to uh, endorse or, uh, you know, uh, have associated with us, you know, so, but yeah, always, um, always been a nice kid. All right, the other one I wanted to, the other two that I wanted to ask you about real quick here were uh, your actual niece and your nephew, uh, Harry Smith, uh, David Hart Smith, as he was known in the WWE, and Natalia. Um, did they come up training with you, or were they trained elsewhere? And if so, what were your early, what were your I, early? I, I trained them uh, from the get go, and uh, okay. not to cast dispersions. Uh, I sometimes heard. Uh, Erroneously, people claiming that Brett or somebody else, but uh, Brett never trained any of those guys really. You know, he's never around down in the dungeon. And then during the uh, latter, you know, when those guys were breaking in, uh, unfortunately, Brett was impaired with the stroke and all like that. So he's he's never really uh, had the uh, even the ability to. Uh, but um, yeah. I, I, I've always sort of felt bad about Harry because uh, he's got way more talent than he ever was allowed to uh, manifest in the WWE. He was like, uh, you know, for me, uh, technically an incredible wrestler, uh, you know, far better than all kinds of guys that I've seen getting a push. Like, I see a guy like Sheamus who's... Nice enough guy, I guess, but he didn't even hold a candle to Harry as far as technical ability. Or I see guys like, uh, you know, even Cena is not nearly the athlete that Harry is. You know, Harry's like strong and dynamic, and uh, Harry's well, a little bit quiet. Well, it kind of speaks well as to uh, it kind of speaks well as to Harry's upbringing as to how well he's doing over in Japan now. He's part of the uh, he's part of the climax. The the Super J Climax tournament right now in Japan, their their big junior heavyweight tournament that they have going on over there. Yeah, the Super J Cup. Excuse me. Yeah, Harry's very much like his father, who was uh, uh, both Dynamite and Davy, who was Harry's uncle, uh, Davy's cousin, or whatever. Dynamite and Davy were cousins, but um, yeah, neither I one of them that's was. That's what Brett mentioned in the book too. Neither one of those guys was a great talker, Dynamite or Davy, and back in the day. But back in those days, they had uh, people like Jimmy Hart and some of the other uh, people uh, managing them and all. But Captain Lou was. But as far as just uh, in ring ability, they were phenomenal. They were one of the best tag teams ever, you know. And Davy later went on to. You know, become a huge single star in his own right too. You know, he had that big match with Brett and uh, Wembley, which is still considered one of the great matches of all time in WWE history. And uh, right. Harry was uh, ninety-two main event. Yeah, and Harry was every. He was uh, way way better athletically, and uh, he had a lot more ring psychology, and he had all. All the tools. His only, the only thing he maybe was a little lacking was, uh, you know, just being bombastic and colorful, maybe on talking and all. But uh, to me, it was a huge uh, waste of his talent. You know, I'd seen a lot of guys come and go in WWE, 
uh, you know, some of these muscle heads and some of these guys that uh, get a push but uh, aren't up to it, you know. But Harry, to me, was, uh, you know, it was, it was a real waste of talent. And I even say my other nephew was quite talented, too. He, I'm not sure whatever transpired that he never quite seemed to get the opportunity. There was my nephew, Ted, who... Uh, you know, he's worked on Ring of Honor and some of those other uh, indie promotions, but he was actually uh, extremely talented, too, you know, and never really uh, got what I considered a, a fair shake with WWE. And so, you, you know, it's uh, all possible that. Do you think it's all possible that Teddy's reputation preceded him as far as that went? Rather or oh, not, I, it was accurate. I would say with Ted, not not Harry, but Ted. I would say Ted probably uh, developed a rep for being kind of uh, you know a little bit hard to deal with, or maybe being a little bit uh, hard to handle, or my way or the highway, or whatever. You know, I'm sure you've heard those same speculative rumors uh, and stuff. Yeah. Heard, so, I've heard a lot of the stories. I don't know as to the validity of any of them, but I have definitely heard quite a few of them. I think that the old saying is his reputation seemed to precede him, you know, so... Um, and I think that was probably, a, you know, an impediment to his making it in the WWE. But with Harry, you know, I never perceived anything like that. He was never any kind of a problem. He he was always a bit quiet and withdrawn, which is sort of the same as Davey, but uh but just for out and out talent he uh he could have been a huge you know, uh ticket for WWE if if they had given him a fraction of the push they say gave to uh Cena or Sheamus or uh Cody Rhodes or some of those guys, you know, he would have been a, you know, a, I think a huge star, you know, especially, uh, I, I, I quite often can't figure out like certain second generation guys, they almost seem to go out of their way to not acknowledge their pedigree or like they call him David Hart Smith or whatever they, very rarely do they ever you know, kind of attach him to uh, his father was one of the great uh, superstars of the 80s and 90s, and you know, especially in England, you know, huge. And I see the same with Curtis Axel. You know, I never, you know, the odd time they make some, you know, subliminal illusion. Really, yeah, I see the stupid really T-shirt better than perfect. But yeah, like it would seem to me that. You know, Mr. Perfect, uh, if they attached anything to uh, Curtis, who seems like a decent enough worker. I uh, always see him in this kind of buffoonish role we thought with Ryback, and they usually get their asses kicked, or they don't really, uh, you know, they're kind of well, like the perceived with, to be. Well, the thing with Curtis Axel, too, is he, he came up, when he originally came into the company, he came in under the name of Michael McGillicuddy, and that didn't make any sense to most of the fans, most of the smarter fans, people that know that he wrestled in FCW as Joe Hennig. 
that he was one half of the fortunate sons with Brett DiBiase, who was another one of Ted Seniors. Yeah, yeah, you see that. Then you see the same with you know Husky Harris and then Bray Wyatt, and I think I I, I don't know what the uh, the mindset with where some of these guys they acknowledge like Cody Rhodes being and other guys they uh, seem to go out of their way to uh, you know kind of make them out to be something else. Like I don't I don't know what the uh, but you know, given that Kurt Hennig and uh, Davy Boy were both huge stars, you know, it would be different if maybe uh, their fathers had been, uh, you know, the Brooklyn Brawler and uh, you know Jim Powers or something like that. Maybe you'd say, well, it's not that <laughs> beneficial funny. to their. But you know, when you're uh, like Davy Boy and Mister Perfect were top line superstars, you know, so doesn't add up to me. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, if you were Steve Lombardi's kid, you might actually still be doing something, because if I'm not mistaken, he still works for the company. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> kissing sphincters I mean, or whatever. Kid would probably be a little bit better than being Jim Powers' kid. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what... Uh, it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me sometimes. You know, uh, some guys get pushed like Randy Orton seemed to benefit from his pedigree and then like Michael McGillicuddy and some of those guys seem to be uh you know they're even even DiBiase's kid they at least made him out to be uh you know uh, the son of the million dollar man but it didn't seem to uh amount to anything either though in retrospect I don't know that he I don't know what Contributed to his kind of, uh, you know, falling by the wayside either there, you know, but it's, it's kind yeah, of Yeah, that's one of the ones that, that's one of the ones that always confused me too, because it always seemed to me like Ted Jr. had all of the skills. He was able to handle a microphone relatively well. He was able to, he was able to get the storylines and the psychology of his matches along really well. And when it came time to deliver solid matches inside of the ring, more times than not, he was able to do that too. Yeah, and, uh, and he seemed like a nice guy, too. Like, I, I was on tour, and I met him on different occasions, and I never heard any uh, negative scuttle, but, like, some guys, like you were mentioning about Teddy, where they, you know, his reputation was not not good or whatever, but uh, I never heard anything whatsoever bad about DiBiase's kid, you know, and... Uh, uh- didn't hear any, you know, maybe uh, most I heard is his personality was a little bit lacking or something, but never heard he was like a uh, druggy or problematic or had a bad attitude or the usual stuff, you know. But so, yeah, there was a few that uh, just kind of uh, puzzled me because uh, I thought they had enough talent and all the other to. You know, even Curtis Axel. You know, I, I, I'd say at this point it's unlikely he, he's going to rise above wherever they've got him now. You know, it's kind of like two strikes. You know, one more, you're out. You know, I, I doubt if you're going to see him. Become well, the a, thing with Curtis Axel, the other thing with Curtis Axel as well to me is that I don't know if you're aware of the story or not, that Curtis Axel was actually the one that helped The Rock get back into ring shape for his return when he had the run with Cena back in 2012. Oh, I didn't even know this. 
It was Curtis Axel that The Rock was working out with at headquarters. There's a big write-up on it on WWE.com, actually. Yeah, I've I've often been puzzled, you know. You always just surmise, knowing the nature of the business, that there's some unknown factor, you know, he pissed somebody off or he uh, did something or said something or... There's some something that we don't know, you know, and you're just kind of speculating. Like uh, another guy he wasn't the son of anyone, but another guy I thought had a lot of potential, and he seemed to just kind of drop out of sight. Was John Morrison? You know, he didn't get half the push that uh, you know some inferior guys got. And uh, I thought, you know, he, I thought he had, uh, you know something to offer, you know, and they seem to just, you know, I never really even came close to the potential you thought that he might have, and then he's just sort of gone, you know, and you often wonder what, you know, did he piss somebody off, or is he a a druggie, or is he, uh, you know, uh, got some, you know, baggage, or whatever the hell, you know, and sometimes you hear about it, you know, after after the fact, but all too often you just see these guys that seem like they maybe were gonna, you know, ascend to something, and they just seem to uh, drop off the map, and you never hear from them again. You know, but, uh, Mr. Hart. And yeah. This particular moment, I'd like to bring back in uh, Bobby Horn, uh, Sir Mo. Can you hear me, sir? Yes, sir. I got you. All right, and as well as uh, Dave Body. Um, hold on, my computer is giving me issues here. My soundboard has decided that it does not want to work at the present moment. There it goes. Mr. Body, can you hear me? Correct. I, I sure can. All right, you guys are both back live on the air on Heartbeat Radio with Bruce Hart. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I guess we got about five, six, eight minutes to uh, go. Uh, to go seven. But um, yeah, I uh, I just like to uh, one more time uh, wish you guys both uh, all all the best of success in your initiatives with uh, saying no to bullying and all that other related. And uh, I certainly hope uh, you know you guys maybe can uh, collectively. Uh, work together and and like uh, you were saying, collaborate hopefully with Vince. I think if WWE uh, maybe has some idea of what you guys want to, the message you want to get out there and some of the things that you are seeking to do with, say, the uh, Boys and Girls Clubs and some of these youth groups and some of these uh, other initiatives. Um, oh, most definitely. I yeah. can't see why they wouldn't be... Uh, all over that, you know, it's uh, it would be good for them, and uh, you know, I'd love to see you, Bobby. Maybe uh, where they're subsidizing, you know, public speaking, where they maybe fly you around to some of these places and some of these yeah. conferences and uh, these type of things, and uh, just let them hear your message because you articulate it very well. You know, you're very well spoken and uh and you've been there and done it you know you've 
you know, your firsthand, you know, objective should be of great value to them. So I, uh, I'd love to see that. And, and I think some of the initiatives that Dave has up here in Canada with the television stations and all like that, I think if, uh, if you can maybe engage in that, and as I was saying as well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could probably get my brother Brett on board, you know, and maybe he could, uh, come out and appear some of the functions with you and speak, you know, about the uh the bullying and just the other uh issues that seem to uh, right. unfortunately be entwined with it like suicide and dropping out of school and drugs and uh low self esteem and some of these other things, you know. So but I uh I'd be happy if any little anything came out of it from this show, you know, I'd be, uh, you know, gratified that uh, it helped serve that purpose. Um, well, I appreciate everything. While we have a few more moments here, uh, Mr. Horn, why don't you go ahead and give everybody the website once again for Bully Mania. Uh, okay. Uh, BullyManiaORG.blogspot.com Go there and uh, uh, read, read read what we are, who who we are, what we're about. And uh, on the Who We Are page at the lower end, there's a PayPal tab if you want to make a donation. Uh, also, uh, uh, you can contact me at bobby.horn, H-O-R-N-E, at yahoo.com uh, with requests for appearances, uh, uh, generally, uh, there's no there's no charge for that. What we do is we try to uh, get local sponsorship to cover uh, the expenses of that. Uh, everything that we do, uh, youth youth related, all youth are admitted uh, absolutely free. And when I say youth, that's grades K through 12. If you're still in high school, you're still considered a youth. Uh, and then we ask uh, attending adults, parents, to make a, a minimum $10 donation. Uh, you can uh, contact me also by phone at Erico 828 319 parents and adults, but school administrators on your behalf and on your child's behalf if you don't feel that you can do it yourself. That's a great, great cause, uh, Bobby, and uh, I'd like to throw out the gauntlet right now. Uh, I think it would be a great uh, step if Vince McMahon or whoever uh, flew you down to uh, SummerSlam in uh, a couple of weeks, whenever that is, and uh, oh, and had you, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, have people put $10, you know, put their money where their mouth is, you know, put $10 down toward the uh, cause that you're championing, championing saying no to bullying. So I, I would love to see that happen. I doubt if they'll, uh, you know, do it, but I, uh, I think that would be awesome if they flew you down to L.A. for SummerSlam and, uh, 
and gave you an opportunity and just to uh, get your message out there. Maybe have some uh, some of the WWE superstars, Cena or uh, Daniel Bryan or somebody like that, come out and uh, you know get the uh, fire lit. You know, so. Right. Um, I apologize for having to do this. We are right up against the time. There, uh, we have the extra hour here, and it's almost up. I want to thank Mr. Hart for joining us, obviously, here on Heartbeat Radio. Uh, Sir Mo, thank you very much. Uh, we here at Heartbeat Radio do nothing but respect the cause that you have there. And as I mentioned, I posted the link inside of the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Facebook group, and in addition, we will work on getting the write-up up on the website itself. Uh, Mr. Body, I want to thank okay. you for your continued work with Mr. Hart as well. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll try to get a hold.